Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Well, you may say there are happy days ahead, and one could also say that there are hoppy days ahead. There's a story buried away in the inside pages of the Star, and I wonder if it's the same here on Leeside at Heineken, Ireland. Apparently, above in Dublin, uh, the smell of Guinness wafting through the air is something that's a welcome, uh, I was going to say a welcome sight, but a welcome smell that has returned, apparently, because Guinness are busy firing up the brewery, apparently, brewing beer and stout and Guinness and, uh, you know, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, with the, uh, you know, because they got to get working now because they got a backlog that they got to get through when the, when the pubs and the restaurants and everybody comes back. So the smell of Guinness is in the air. I hope it's the same here on Leeside with Heineken. You smell Heineken. I suppose you can certainly smell uh, Murphy's, can't you? Anyway, Fringe Festival is a story that makes the front of the star because they're talking about, well, pennies from heaven is one thing. I love that headline, pennies yesterday. Um, and also hairdressers and shops and people by appointment yesterday. And they're also saying that Electric Picnic and Ga in Croke Park is on the way. They're saying that uh, the chief medical officer hopes that Electric Picnic can go ahead, that sports fans will be able to return to the stands in June, and, of course, they continue to roll out the vaccine. All of the papers have photographed, particularly the Echo and the Examiner this morning, of lots and lots of different hairdressers all open for business yesterday, and everybody happy. And, of course, Leo couldn't, um, you know, refuse the opportunity uh, to get an Instagram selfie up the before and after. I preferred... I prefer Leo's hair before he got it cut, to be honest with you. But he's delighted with it. And the salons are booked out, but the mail says that many are reportedly short on staff. Not yesterday with the salons we were talking to on air, but some hair salons apparently are booked up for months, but they're not so sure that all of the hair salon staff will actually come back. Many of them have gone into other business or other jobs, I suppose, and more have decided to continue to do it themselves. Now, um, a lot of stories from the court reports today, particularly a Mahan-related story. We have a photograph for the front of the Echo today of a mother and daughter who were arrested as part of the ongoing investigation into a feud between two families in Cork. Uh, And there's a front page story with a photograph of Julia McDonough. Uh, leaving Cork Court yesterday, charged with possession of a weapon, as was her daughter, Julianne McDonough. And both of them make the front page of the Echo today. Um, also, the carry on up the country with regards to this wedding in the Marquis that went ahead, bizarrely uh, went ahead. Uh, two families were before the court yesterday and the caterer who put up the Marquis, all of them apologising to the court to the judge, to the people of Longford. They were so sorry. And each and every one of them was ordered to pay €3,000 to charity. And that's the end of that. Meanwhile, here on Lisa, the Echo says that in Cork, 3,425 COVID-related fines have been handed out uh, by Angarda Shikona. Uh, most of them for non-essential travel. Uh, some of them for international travel. And lots then for journeys to and from airports and fines for organising events and house parties. There was just under a thousand actually for organising a house party 
party and or, or an event. And then there was uh, like 3,000 of them for people who actually attended the house parties. So in total, uh, an awful lot of fines when you total it all up right across uh, the country. Uh, but in Cork, uh, the figure was 3,425. Anyway, just bear in mind there was a lot. Um, of course, yesterday afternoon then, video footage was sent to me of another serious assault. And this one on the magazine road happened at quarter past four yesterday afternoon and a man was stabbed his conditions described as serious but stable i saw the video footage of them the two of them going at it a man in his 20s stabbed during the incident god knows what it was about but there you have it right in the middle of the day broad daylight and of course we all know of the events on uh, on Leaside, particularly in the city centre, on Saturday night. But with that in mind, front of the echo today has a quote from uh, the chief super, the Garda chief super, Barry McPolin, uh, who says that um, he's hit out, according to the echo, um, because he says they have um, proof, uh, anecdotal and concrete evidence of parents dropping their children off with drink to different areas of Cork City at the weekend. And he says parents need to know where their youngsters are going and who they are with. We have the evidence now of parents dropping uh, youngsters into certain parts of the city with alcohol for the purpose of socializing at weekends. He says that's irresponsible, leads, led to a lot of incidents in the last few weekends involving antisocial behavior and indeed assaults. Uh, apparently for the very first time, drug driving has exceeded drink driving on Lee side, according to Chief Super Con Cadigan. And that's the story from the Echo today, where drug driving detections are ahead of drink driving detections. Um, and great old country all the same. Convicted murderer, who then tried to lure a stranger down a side street in Cork City, struck him in the face with a bottle. Uh, he's avoided a three-year jail sentence. Why? Uh, on the promise that he will fly home on a one-way ticket to Lithuania. There you have it. And I know this is something that we've dealt with on the air in the past, and that is, of course, a lack of public toilets. By God, city councillor listening, um, and it, people power, and talking about things uh, certainly seems to make a difference, because there's a lot of toilets on the way, apparently. Toilets in Cork's library will be open to the public. You'll pay 50 cent, and they'll be open on the Grand Parade from 10 in the morning to 8 in the evening, seven days a week. 50 cent. Anglesey Street, civic buildings will be open to the public. You can use the toilets there. The North Main Street Shopping Centre will reopen to the general public soon. You can lose, use the lose. They're also suggesting uh, that the entire ground floor of Hilser's Jewellers, talking about this yesterday, uh, that's owned by City Council, that will become a lot more than just a public toilet that you'll pay a few cents to go in and use, but also a City Council information centre um, and a display centre. I don't know whether it will have a tourist aspect to it, perhaps it will, but they're also putting in public toilets and changing facilities. Now, People in the English market are very unhappy about that. I'll be in the English market myself a little later on today and I'll be getting a feel of the sense of what people think about it. But not all of them are happy. I see the latest one to come out now is uh, Pat O'Connell, uh, the fishmonger. I don't think he's too happy with it either. Uh, but while all of that is happening, of course, we also uh, hear that there is a plan then uh, for City Council to try and, and um, maybe convince business owners in the lock, in Black Rock, down around the pier, uh, out in the leaf fields and places like that to encourage businesses to open their loos to the public. <laughs> I would think that would go down like a lead balloon, I would think. And then 
you know the way things have got, you know, got us into an awful lot of debt because of COVID. Well, you're going to be looking at higher taxation and you're going to be looking at higher charges for everything and anything that you buy, uh, without a doubt. I probably find you will probably find that car insurance will go up, levies on car insurance will go up, uh, petrol will probably go up, tax and excise and all these things will, will all go up. And also, front of the Irish Times this morning is saying they are also reconsidering Water charges. Now, that got parked because of uh, water charges and protests and what have you started here in Cork. But the state now uh, is being advised to um, do all the things I just said, including including increasing carbon taxes, but also to introduce water charges and also put up the cost of waste. So I know you have private people, private companies collecting your waste. The government will charge them more for their license. They'll tax them more. They'll put more levies on them. And that will then be passed on to you, right, as the end user, the generator of the waste. But I think it'll be very interesting to see um, how the water charges issue unfolds as to whether we'll be back to... uh, whether we'll be back to protests again. I tried to download this new Cork app this morning, but it's obviously not finished yet. It's called Explore Cork. Uh, I like it. It's going to have 850 places where we can go, see and do things across the entire county. It ain't ready yet. When it is, I'm sure they'll tell us. There's a lovely story on it in the Echo today. It's called Explore Cork. Tried to download it, but obviously not ready. And listen, Cork Company's going from strength to strength. What is it with Rob Hogan? He's got the magic touch. Or maybe it's just hard work. He's the, he's the man behind uh, the Cork Company Velo Coffee Roasters. And they're absolutely flying. Lovely story in the Echo today with regards to his commercial relationship with Aldi. It turned a simple dream into what I imagine eventually will be an international reality for the award-winning company Velo on George's Key. They started very humbly and now they're absolutely flying and they got Aldi on board. Uh, there's an amazing phenomenon down in Kerryway where literally thousands and thousands of female spider crabs, thousands, washed up on eight-kilometer stretch of a beach in Kerry. It's one of these rare nat- natural phenomenons. Nobody knows why, uh, but they all came to... Uh, uh, they all died, uh, unfortunately, like thousands of them. The sheer volume is photographed in many of the papers today. And finally, before I love you and leave you with the newspapers today, uh, overseas, uh, uh, yeah. what can we do? All we can do is look on with jealousy and hope that we'll get there soon. Because from next Monday, the Brits are allowed to hug each other. And all of the pubs will be back, indoors and outdoors. And the restaurants too. And they'll be ditching face masks in schools. And theatres and cinemas will be all open. And hotels for overnight guests. Ah, it'll be great. Hugging and kissing in the UK from Monday. They're even giving them uh, a vaccine passport for their holidays next week. Uh, and you'll have the vaccine passport for those who've had both doses. They ain't got a whole lot of places to go to. There's a few of interest, like Australia, Iceland, Israel, Portugal, Singapore and Gibraltar. Um, and also, I suppose, you got to look at where were we in the last 12 months as to, you know, the kind of pastimes and pandemic pastimes that people either did or took up. I don't know about this, because there's 20 of them there, and not, not one of the 20 involves picking up or starting to learn a musical instrument. So, uh, I question this. The number one was gardening, painting, break, bacon bread, growing vegetables, knitting, needlework, and that's the same thing, bird watching... <laughs> Feathered variety, I suppose. Hiking, flower arranging, making jam, origami, whatever the hell that is, sketching, brewing beer, woodworking, upcycling furniture, jewellery making, fishing, 
making wine, embroidery, and collecting vinyl. I hope you're on that list somewhere, because I know I'm not. The Neil Prenderville Show. I'm on it in the sense of gardening, but I was doing gardening before pandemic, so I don't know if I did any more or any less. Anyway, lines open at 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. Do you want to jump in on this? Because I think you get more of a kick out of doing this than I will, considering that the last time that I revealed something like this on air, you just could not be consoled with laughter and derision. So, um, what happened yesterday? No, you need to open your uh, you need to open your line there because you're not you're not working. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, did I challenge you yesterday? All fair. I think did? I did. Yeah. did? yeah. So, a couple of years ago, just to give some context, Neil took the the driver test. We did a Machia driver test. I did. A, I did. Uh, I did the actual driver test with uh, a driving tester. Yes. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah and yeah. failed. Ah, yeah, but like, <laughs> ah, yeah, but, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yesterday, all fair. Actually, we- he had said to me, you failed the minute you drove out of Sarsfield Road Driving Test Centre. What did you do again? I drove into I drove into oncoming traffic. Yes, he, he claims I did. Like, <laughs> but you failed miserably. If I remember, it was a good it, was, it wasn't my finest moment. No. Let me put it that. Yeah. So then yesterday, I challenged you to take the written driver theory test, which all these young novices have to take, and you did it online. Do you want to tell the listener what happened? Uh, I rushed it. <laughs> I rushed it. I, I think you get 45 minutes to do it. But you were leaving and you kept on saying, are you finished yet? Are you finished yet? Are you finished yet? So you rushed me. Yeah, but I had Brenda the invigilator there, even though I left. So you. Nah, Brenda, Brenda was on my side, actually. Ah, she you were a bit slow now, in fairness. No, I rushed it, girl. I did it in like 13 <laughs> minutes. So, yeah. So the results are in and you got... 33 out of 40 and I know you love figures so that means you failed 17.5% of the (laughs) (laughs) you need 35 to pass I got 33 and some of the questions are stupid yeah yeah you you have a few problems I was actually just putting it up online here and all I could think of was do you remember Austin Powers three point turn (laughs) I can imagine you must be like that never saw that in the film he does about a 40 point turn it's a very funny scene but yeah you have a problem with roundabouts isn't it Uh, yeah I also apparently have a problem with the use of the brake. Yeah. Like I'm useless at roundabouts anyway. I know that I, I just indicate everywhere and anywhere just to cover all bases. But one of them says, when required to stop in an emergency, what should a driver do? Is it apply firm pressure on the foot brake? Apply both the clutch and the handbrake? You don't do that. Apply gentle pressure on the foot brake? You, you don't do that. Press the foot brake and engage a higher gear. Press the foot brake and engage a higher gear, right? You would think, yeah, I suppose. Uh, uh. There's two answers. Apply firm pressure on the foot brake. Yeah. But there was one question now you were telling me this morning about the roundabouts, and you just couldn't comprehend the fact that when you enter, ask oh, this yeah. question. Oh, uh, yeah. There's another. This is the stupidest thing I ever read. In what direction should a driver turn when entering a roundabout? Why don't they ask you clockwise or anti-clockwise? They say to the right, to the left or right, or to the left to the right when controlled by a traffic light. And I said, what direction should a driver turn when entering a roundabout? You stay around the left. Yeah, so you turn left. Yeah. You said right. I said right (laughs) because you're going right. You're going left. Your car is veering left unless you're in Spain. You go right because you're on the other side of the road. Do they really think that I would drive onto a roundabout and turn right? Well, you you told them you no, would. No, no. I was. Uh, what I was. <laughs> <laughs> it should be God only knows. <laughs>
But I thought that I did quite good. 33 out of 35. Yeah, well, 17.5%. Look, I mean, it is what it is. But given the fact that you failed the driving test now as well, we're just concerned as to whether we should be buying you L plates or N plates. <laughs> Neil, I really Can't don't think that you rush because I was about to leave and you were still doing it. <laughs> You had 45 minutes to do it, Brenda. I know, but you're saying you're like, saying as if you did it in five minutes. I know, maybe 13 or 14 minutes. I think you started around half one because I was rushing because I had to get home early. I think you started Are you saying one. I was still doing it for about two? I think you got a good half hour at it. Les, this is bullying. And, and, yeah. I, and I think you did a little book um, of I the test. No you were, I'm only joking. You weren't <laughs> there, are eight, there are 650 questions you have to learn for yeah. this thing. So can they take my license off me now that I've technically failed both the theory and the real license and the real test? I don't know. We'll, they probably should, technically. But the problem now is you'll have to go back to the back of the queue and there's about 55,000 people waiting to do the theory I'm going to feckin' do it again at 12 o'clock. But but you know what? I do think there is, I know we're kind of joking about it, but there is a case to be made that you should probably do a refresher one after 20 or 30 years driving, you know? Because things yeah. change, roads change. I mean, if you think about it, when you were driving on the roads in the 1980s versus now, should there was no one on, there's no cars on the road, there's very few traffic lights. It's a totally <laughs> different ball game. I Perhaps don't crash. Struggling. I mean, yeah. I, I sometimes bang the wheels off curbs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Damage know. the alloys and things. Well, we were, we were thinking this morning as well, would we challenge our listeners? to maybe take the test and we might come up with a nice prize for someone the first person who takes the test and gets 40 out of 40 online I have a great prize actually which I can tell you more about a little later what traffic may use a contraflow bus lane right I said buses taxis and cyclists and Neil Prentville no you didn't you said I use them sometimes <laughs> and I said you absolutely I do use the bu- I do use the bus lane you're yeah. supposed to on a, on a bike yeah but that's not the bus lane the contraflow bus lane is different I could be wrong now actually I could be, uh, I could be it's where it's going the opposite it's way the traffic. opposite way yeah there's only a few yeah roads. I use that too <laughs> see there you go ah. get him off the road get him off the road be <laughs> coming in collecting out of the studio there. There's, a, there's a lot there's a thing I don't know if it's just a Bally Desmond thing now but a quick one a lot of you don't ba- even have lines but in the listen, middle of the road see, the thing is, there's a lot of people in Bally Desmond it's known right that they won't come to Cork they can't do the Kinsale Road roundabout so they, this is true so I'm just wondering, is it, is it other kind of little villages around the place I, or whatever, but they, they park in Wilton, they can't do the Kinsale Road I know someone who has relations, right, from right. South Tipperary. They have to be met at, uh, at I don't know, somewhere like Glanmire. Yes. To be brought through the city because the, they can't, they can't do yeah. the Kinsale Road roundabout. It would be the same, and I swear to God, no word of a lie, I know someone who passed the test first time with flying colours and she won't go into a car park because she can't park in a car park and pass the test. Ah, yeah, I mean, like, like to be honest with you, theory is one thing, mm. but the, the, the practical application is what matters. Yeah. I'm a good driver <laughs> in spite of the fact that I can't pass the theory test. Do you want to take the test again? I, I'm fucking going to do it at 12 o'clock. This, this all started actually because I got an email. Okay, I'll, I'll come back to you in a few minutes. Now. I got an email at the weekend saying a topic that will have your listeners talking. A brother of mine left his driver's license expire. Whatever you do, don't let your driving license expire because you have to do the theory test and you'll never pass it. So he had to reapply Jump in on this if you want. That's fine, he replied. Now, he and I just did the theory test on his phone as he's booked in Clonmel for July. And that's the earliest he could get the test. Thousands are waiting in Cork. Anyway, I have 40 years 
driving experience. He's got 30 years. So with 70 years driving experience between us, we both took the test and failed. He says, it's nuts the questions you're asked. 650 questions you have to know before you can take a proper theory test. Nobody can pass this. Ask your listener. Yeah, yeah, it's important. Like, I must tell you something really important very, very quickly, though. If you're, uh, I got caught for this. I got penalty points, unfortunately. I did 58 in a 50 zone going in the Lee Road on a Sunday morning. Anyway, uh, or in the straight road. But um, if your driver's license runs out, that stops the penalty points. So so your penalty points are still on your license. So my, I, well, I had a 10-year ten, license. Hadn't realised my license had run out. Yeah, no, it So you were driving without a license? I hadn't realised, yeah, unfortunately. Sorry, so, uh, you were you're hardly one to talk, but um, <laughs> I I hadn't realised that the penalty yeah. points stay on the license. <laughs> be driving or not. No, but it is important to note because if if you have a lot of penalty points, obviously if you have your they nine pause penalty them. points, they pause them. Oh my god! Yeah, so but really it's probably right that they pause them, I suppose, isn't it? I, I it is right, I suppose. But do you I'm not get a reminder about your license, though? Mm? You don't get a reminder, you don't. No, you don't. No, you oh don't. And the ten years, you're like you're not really going to be checking it, you know. So I actually, I can understand why that happens because it happens with passport. Mm, yeah. So it's going to happen with people's license. You just forget about even it. Even more so because you use your passport every you know year, a couple of years, but you don't. Use so did you have to do the theory test again? No, no, I didn't. I just, I just got my three penalty points sorted. Oh um, right, okay. Yeah, no, I didn't have to. No, they were okay. But I just reapplied for the license as well. It was fine. But just be mindful of it, you know. And anyway, don't get penalty points and and do the test again. <laughs> If you can't drive like me. I don't think I have penalty points. I no. failed the theory and I failed the driving test, but I think I'm okay. Mm. I don't think I've got any penalty points. I surely got penalty points, I think. Mm. I don't know if I ever got them for um, holding a mobile phone oh, years yeah. ago. You didn't get any, yeah. Uh, no, it's very unfortunate. I like it. No, I'm not, I'm not an advocate of speeding. I never speed at all. And at 58 and 50 zone, it killed me, to be honest. Or maybe so I, I did get it, and, them. but it just came and went. Yeah. I need maybe. to check that out. Maybe so, yeah. Check your license as well. Actually, I mean to check my... Maybe I'm driving without a license as well as everything else. Yeah. All right, okay, we'll come back to it. Text 0868104106. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be driving full stop until at such time. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? Refuse to drive any more now until I actually pass the theory test. <laughs> I'll be at it at 12 o'clock, at it at 12 o'clock. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I'm being told now that I did get those three points, but that was about four or five years ago for the mobile phone thing and the, you know, the three points stay for three years and then they're gone. The one that I thought I was going to get three penalty points that I didn't get was one of those Gatso vans where... They change, yeah, this is what they do. Uh, one minute, like in a, in a county road going through Carcevine, it's, it's 50 and then they change the sign and nobody tells you and then it becomes 40 and you end up doing 50 and you get a Gatso van sitting there. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. I think that was the one where I didn't get them and I was expecting them at the time. Anyway, your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106, particularly if you've passed that damn driver theory test first time around. Lauren, good morning. Hang on a second, get myself together. Gotcha. There you are. Can you hear me okay? Hello? Hi, can you hear me? You're grand. You can yeah. hear me. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, 20 years old, finished first year in college, starting uh, work uh, next week for the summer, is it? Yeah, that's it. And a huge backlog for the driver theory test. But have you been practicing online? Yeah, so I've been practicing really since kind of April, the start of April, because I had anticipated having my test in May. Yeah. But now it looks like it's kind of going to be cancelled again and this will be the fourth time it's been rescheduled. 
Um, I booked like initially back in June of 2020. So I've literally been waiting since then to try and get it done and it just keeps getting cancelled. And you can do absolutely nothing till you pass that theory test, of course. Yeah, everything's on hold at the moment. Like, I was in contact with a few driving instructors before I knew um, what the situation was, so just to try and get a head start on things. And I was trying to get a quote for insurance for my dad's car, but they wouldn't give it without a driving license, so... It's after putting a hold on everything now and it's just kind of difficult to get going. So. Yeah, um, just that text that I read out a while ago there from a fellow with his license expired. He has managed to get a theory test in Clonmel in July. That's the earliest yeah. he could get. What? Like, do you have any date at all? Well, mine is for May 19th, which is next week. But they're, at the moment, they're cancelling all tests up until the 16th of May. Um, I know people that have gotten that are in court that have gotten their tests rescheduled to centres up in Athlone, West yeah, Common, yeah, from yeah. like it's all up the country. It's completely out of reach to people and I know personally if like that was the case with me, it so it would be a day off work for me and probably my dad who would have to drive me. But you know, for others it's they'd have to get someone to mind the kids, they'd have to get a day off work, they'd have to pay for transport up the country. You know, it's just not practical to make people do that just to fit a test. We were just checking the stats um, for Cork with regards to the amount of people delayed and waiting for a theory test. In Cork, it's the second highest number, obviously, behind Dublin. Um, Cork has yeah. the second highest number of tests to be completed. 4,788 people are waiting for a theory test. Yeah, like it's it's crazy. And I don't see how they plan on accommodating those numbers when there's no word of the centres opening anytime soon. And do you know how many know. people are waiting for a driving test? In Cork? I know there's like a huge backlog as well. I think I saw like similar figures um, and it's only for essential workers can do their lessons now. Like so that's going to create even more of a backlog. Would you believe that the number is 10,000 learner drivers are waiting on a waiting list for driving tests in Cork? Yeah, 6,000 of them alone waiting tests yeah. in Cork City. Um 5,000 then Wilton Test Centre, 776 waiting for a test in Ballancolic. So the total is uh, almost 10,000. Yeah, I'd believe it. Like, I know so many people myself that are just waiting out to see if they can get a test. And then when you do the theory test, what's the delay between the theory and the practical? The actual uh, test? Uh, you have to do 12 lessons with... Um, kind of a qualified instructor and they sign you off on the 12 lessons then that's and you it. can apply for the test but sure you could be waiting another That's when you join the 10,000 list isn't it after yeah. you do the 12 lessons I know Yeah so it's just a waiting game like it's crazy And and a lot of this of course has to do with COVID-19 um, and what was essential and non-essential and they figured that a lot of things had to wait because it would have been in a car and it might have been safe to be in a car with another person all those kind of things you know yeah, that's one thing about the lessons, but like the thing I think that's frustrating people is the centre where you do the theory, where you go to sit the theory test, it's a controlled, sanitised exam centre where you're in contact with such a limited amount of people. And then that's being classed as non-essential, but you have the likes of pennies and beauticians and hairdressers that are after opening where you're open to be in contact with a lot more people than you would be in the test centre. So that's true. the way it's not classed as essential is just, you know, I think that's what's getting to people because now they're seeing all these other like services open and we're still being kind of 
left on the back that's burner, true. really. Yeah, you put that. That's a very valid point because for many people, it is important. It's not just for leisure driving. In your case, it's it's for work, isn't it? And many others like you. Well, yeah, like I live in the country, you know, I completely depend on lifts from people to get to and from the city because that's where I have to be for work and for college as well. You know, I don't have the luxury of just getting in the car and driving off myself. I have, you know, you have to plan with people and see if you can get a lift. You know, there's very limited public transport out here. So I know no other option, really. Uh, interestingly, text here says my son, um, and he says, Lauren might want to know this. My son was to have his theory test today, but they cancelled it. And they've pushed it back now till August, says Terence in yeah. Watergrass Hill. That's the kind of stuff that's happening. Yeah, and even if they do push it back, like there's no guarantee it's even going to be in Cork. You know, they could push them back, and it could be somewhere up the country. And you know, like what good is that to someone? Like how are they? I know. I know there's transport up there, but you know, it's just such a hassle. I know, and it can't be done remotely, I suppose, because people would cheat, wouldn't they? I know you well, wouldn't that's cheat. Well, the thing, like. There's students all around the country. I know I did it myself. Like, we've been doing exams for college online all through the year. There's people getting their bachelor's degree, everything. Like, all these kind of tests are online, and there's already a theory test for the bus and trucks online. So, I don't see why they can't just move the car theory test online just to tackle the backlog. Cause Do you know all the people that did college exams online like they did? Um, yeah. Is, 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 can you. Can you? We used to call it cogging. What do you guys call it? Oh, I don't know what that means now. Cogging means cheating. Well, you have to have... Looking up the answers. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of hard because when you're in the exam, like, I know some places you have to have your camera on. Oh. And and there's, like, an examiner watching you then, so, like, it wouldn't be possible to cheat. And even if you have notes next to you, like, they'll watch what you're doing, so they'll watch your movements cause, so they can see if you are trying to find an answer. Oh, right, so they're watching you. Oh, my God. Yeah, you can't get away with anything. <laughs> okay, and just before I let you go, how did you do in the theory test? You know, the one the one that I failed? Like, you got to yeah. get 35 out of 40. How did you do? Well, I won't lie. When I first started it, I was brutal. I test failing it, like, but I think once you keep practicing, like, the same questions keep coming up and... So you just kind of get used to it. So I've started passing a lot now, but I don't know if it'll be much good to me because it looks like I won't get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep practicing. I know. All right, girl. Mind yourself. Thanks for that. Okay. Text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone on one 106 This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. So huge delays for uh, theory tests and even longer delays for driving tests. I suppose it's the year that's in it, isn't it true? Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Mortification of it. Beaten by beaten by a sixteen-year-old. Go on. Sixteen-year-old. Yeah, they were um, given a kind of a few things to do there over school when they didn't go back with COVID and stuff like that. Uh, fourth year transition student and uh, one of the tasks was to do study the theory test and the book and take the test online. She studied the book I'd say for about two or three nights in the evening there and uh, first time on it logged on onto the laptop 38 out of 40. The first time is it? First time so you'll have to up the ante now. But hold on a second She, she she read all of the answers over two nights I, did, I, I don't didn't think see. she would have got through that book now in two nights. I doubt that. But I had no, no book. Like, like I had nothing. She had 
She's 16. She first attempt, logged on, transitioning student, got it, 38 out of 40. And I'll actually know if she, when she comes home, I'll ask her, will she take another one to see because she beat you? I, I think that's very unfair now because you're not appreciating the situation I found myself in <laughs> yesterday. Uh, I had one woman tut-tutting in the corner. I had another one hassling me <laughs> to hurry on because she had to go away. I had no book. Well, she, I had she no had prep. And the questions me. are stupid. She had a deadline now too to meet. She had to have it done for her teacher as well, her year ahead. And they had to have many other things done as well, all within the deadline. So she was under a bit of pressure now too. So There's also the chance that she just got lucky. Do you ever see them I on the chase? Do you watch the chase they, on television? You know television? the youngsters now, they love, to, they love the road, they love the cars, they love to be driving now straight away when they turn 17. Like, I think sometimes the, the youngsters, their knowledge is, is quite good on the road. Yeah, I, I accept that. No, I, I'll accept that she beat me in fairness. I think she got lucky. Uh, but I think the problem with the questions in the theory test is um, they're academically sound, the questions, but they lack cop on, you know? They just yeah, lack. Basics. No, you know the cop on from years of driving? They're not reflected. <laughs> they're not reflected in the questions. Cop on. Very different driving now from 20, 30 years ago. Do you drive? I do. All right, here, I do. here's a question I failed on, right? Let's see if you fail will you fail on this. When <laughs> when may the holder of a category W learner permit carry a passenger on a tractor? Right? Oh, is it is yeah. it when when there is a proper passenger seat and the passenger holds a full license? When the passenger okay. holds a full category M and has personal insurance cover? When the passenger has personal insurance cover or when there is need for assistance? Second one. You said when the passenger holds a full category M license has and has personal insurance cover. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? When there is need for assistance. Assistance. Oh, my God. There you go. All right. Tractors, yeah. <laughs> Who's going to be driving a tractor? Like, oh the, my the God. only time you I see a goddamn daughter, tractor, anyway. like the only time you see a goddamn tractor is when you want to get the hell fast up hell around fast it. it, overtake it, or not get stuck behind it. Yeah. Anyway, you and I both failed that one. I don't feel too bad now. Jeff, he did, but the 16-year-old still beat you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do it again at 12 o'clock. Thanks, Sarah. Cheers. Um, what was that great tweet years ago from the great Geraldine on The Apprentice? Daddy can't buy you a cop on in Trinity College. Well done, Emer. Probably the greatest tweet of all time. And there ain't no cop on in the theory test, I can tell you that. Okay, I'll come back to that. Keep those texts coming. Text story at 6810406. A lot of texts yesterday. All the gang at the Cork Taxi Council got in touch to say they would like to wish their colleague, colleague Bobby Lynch the best of health. He's currently in hospital. Morning, Bobby. All your friends and your work buddies are thinking of you. Get well soon and get back to your pals. And also, hi, uh, you know, with regards to mums and mams, I know we're doing a poll on Twitter at the moment as to what do you call your, your mammy. Is it mum, mom, mam, or mammy? Or indeed, as many people seem to do now, by your mammy's Christian name. Um, what about all, of, all those of us who call our, our parents by their first names? I never called my mum, mum, mam, or even mom. I call her Nora. I hope that's her name. It has always been like that ever since I was a small one. Same with my dad. Apparently, if you are looking for ma'am 
M-A-M birthday cards, you can get them in Eason's. And Eason's are open and they have happy birthday mam cards. The word mom, Neil, M-O-M, is the American version. I thought most of Cork people would have been mam or mammy. Well, the question really is, is it different on either side of the river? Is it mam on the north side and mom on the south side? Anyway, another quick one here. Can you please, please thank Paddy Hodnett, Chris O'Donovan and Tom Milner, all from Ross Carberry, who literally got us out of a hole yesterday when our camper van got stuck in mud on a narrow road. They're a good-humoured guys and a credit to their families and communities. They did my heart good. Not sure what they did, probably towed the camper van out of the mud. Well done, lads. You made all the difference. Lines open at one 106 Not all of the texts from yesterday are positive. Some of them are quite negative and many people are quite annoyed with regards to uh, the carry-on in the city at the weekend. So I'll come back to all of that, but i got a lot of people holding, including Hannah. Hannah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How now, are you? Well, now, how is your baby? Seven months in, in CUH? Yes, she's doing okay. She has good days and bad okay, days. Okay, can you move around a little bit there? Because it's a shocking phone line. See if we can improve it a little bit. What? Yeah. What, no why problem. is she in CUH seven months? Well... She was here initially for seizures. She has a really rare epileptic seizures oh, and dear. the diagnosis is KC and Q2. But she's here because of her irritability and at the moment we're trying to get her a peg surgery to move on to help her so we can bring her home. And this is an example of another waiting list, is it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The backlog in HIV is shocking. And would that surgery be done in CUH or would it be done in Crumlin? Well, we're hoping to do it in Cork because in Crumlin there is months of waiting list. We were told she's on the emergency waiting list, but that's months wait. Okay, and are you pretty much full-time in CUH with baby now, yeah? Well, we rotate. Me and my husband would rotate and we have another five-year-old. And we, thank goodness we have Jack and Jill Children's Foundation helping out. We how do they, how nurse, do they help, incidentally? They were sending a nurse to stand in as one of us so she can be there in the room with Mila and minding her and monitoring her while we go home and have a family time and care for our son. I know. They're amazing. But your life yeah, is absolutely. up in the air and has been since the birth of Mila, hasn't it? It has, it has. And do you think that it's about, you know, that it's COVID-related, these kind of delays? It certainly didn't help. It definitely it caused huge delay. But I think the main reason is lack of staff as well. Um, is that in the PEDS ward, the pediatrics ward, is it? Well, I can only speak for PEDS ward because that's all my experience in, you know. Um, the nurses here, first of all, they're fantastic. They're doing a brilliant job, but they're running off their feet. And with Mila, her seizure is kind of, on set, unexpected, obviously. Um, she can't really get one-to-one care because there's so lack of staff. She doesn't need it sometimes, but when there are times she needs it, yeah. Yeah. you know, the staff is just not available. But, so um, when, you're, when you're not there, your partner is there, when neither of you are there, the, 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 the nurse comes in. Is she, are both of you allowed in? You know there are restrictions with maternity? No, no just one of, one of us. Okay. And my son is now allowed in, so he hasn't really seen his baby sister much at all. And are there time limits on how long you can stay with your daughter? 
No, there's none. We okay. can stay here 24-7. There okay. is a pull-out couch next to her if we like. Yeah. So when you're there well and good, if you're not, your husband is. If you're, both of you aren't there, the Jack and Jill nurse is there. Yeah. Exactly. And how is, how is Mila being fed now if you're saying she needs a peg? She is exclusively NG's feed, which is down her nostril, into her throat, into her stomach. Um, also, is used for her medicine. She... It's fluid. Basically, she's on a special ketogenic diet, so she has special milk. So it's fluids only at the moment. Must be heartbreaking for you to watch her like that. Absolutely. And we are trained to put NG tube into her nostril. That we physically have to do this ourselves. And we have done it. It's a terrible thing to do to her. But she needs her feed and medicine. Oh, I she know. will cry. Yeah. And she will hold her breath with anger and she would desaturate. She got black and purple and we had to give her the oxygen. I mean, and you have to keep doing it. You must get that done. Yeah. Yes. Well, at the moment, it's managing better because we found a tape that I'll stick to her face no, better. Sorry, it's not. It's, it's not. A, it's not a great phone line for me. I'm. I'm just. Uh, I'm struggling. But the peg in her in her stomach would 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 feed her directly into the stomach. Then would it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that will help with her reflux. That will help with her skin. And basically, when we go, don't go at her nostrils, she less likely to be breath-holding or desaturate or have oxygen. I know, I know. But the main reason is also for neck muscles, because she's in pain. She's arching her, her neck to stop the acid coming back up. Therefore, she has no front muscles, and therefore, she can't hold her head still at seven months. <sighs> and her skin irritation is on three different types of steroid cream to manage her skin with the tape. Oh, I know. It sounds dreadfully painful for you. It's awful. It's a lot more than just discomfort. You, you, you think that the government are focusing on hairdressers and pubs and non-essential retail, whereas they should be focusing on our hospitals. What do you think they should be doing? Well, I think they really need to pull their resources and funding into medical care. They need to focus on us as well, as besides opening all these people's, I suppose, their jobs, I suppose. I'm 100% supporting local businesses. People need this to earn income. But don't forget about hospitals because they haven't been fully op- operated yet, you know? Are, are you saying that, that, that they need to open up theatres and surgery faster? And get more staff in, yes. Now, funding's not there. There's no staff here. I know in the ward, they operate on really, like, I'm only guessing now, a third of staff, well, two-thirds of staff at the moment. They're staff on special maternity leave because they can't take the vaccine when they're pregnant. Oh, they yeah. said that. Yeah. You know, yeah. every little yeah. thing is, is like a difference. Well, it's, it's, it's important to talk to you because we're seeing the other consequences that are uh, Im- impacted because of COVID. And in, the, in your case, it's seven-month-old Mila, where could you not go to Crumlin and to have it done there fast? No, is there delays there also? Well, it's actually more delay in Crumlin. We were up there two weeks ago. Um, that's why we were there exam for EEG and we spoke to the surgeon. So we are on the emergency list up there, but it's months waiting list. And I, I know at the time there was a baby coming from Cork that he was on a waiting list since November and he only got it done two weeks ago. Oh dear. And if the yeah. surgery were done and she and Mila had the peg, would she be coming home then? I sure hope so. It sure will help. You know, I mean, her irritability is part of her, who she is and with her diagnosis. But it will sure will help with the pain, you know. 
Um, she's on a lot of medicine to help with her irritability. She's on 12 different medicines. Oh, and will that pass, do you think, eventually as she grows? Yes, and we're sure be hopeful about it, you know. I know. I know. I know. Well, we're just hoping me coming on air will spend some time to talk about it and spread awareness how HUC is now looking after the staff. There for the staff kind of after patients and all. Okay, okay. Thanks so much, Hannah, for sharing. I hope that it gets speeded up and yeah. that Mila gets yeah. the surgery and gets home with the family. It's been yeah, difficult for you. Me. Thank you for sharing um, the story. I, Cheers. I just want to thank you to see you, hate staff again. They're doing fantastic jobs. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. in Lady Bird Ward. Okay. And Jack and Joe Children's Foundation. Well said. Well said. Thank you for that. Okay. Thank you, Neil. Thank you so much. Lines open. I'm quite sure I'll get other texts, emails, and calls from people who have other issues that have been delayed or cancelled or prolonged or waiting lists um, associated with their health and perhaps hospital and appointments and visits and what have you. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 106 Red FM. Ah, yes, I see an awful lot of people texting there sharing my dislike and possible fear of roundabouts. Text 0868104106. Here's a good one for you. It is a good one. Earlier this morning, this is from yesterday, our son was booking his bag on a flight to Dublin from Edinburgh. He showed his latest negative test result from NHS Scotland and was told he couldn't travel to Dublin. He was informed that the Republic of Ireland is only accepting people who have a negative test result from a paid private test. It looks like a negative result needs to have a cost assigned to it before a person is left into Ireland. When is a negative not a negative? Instead, he booked on a flight to Belfast without any bother. It cost him more, but at least he got moving. That sounds bizarre to me. It really does. Huge response then by text to the events in the city at the weekend. Which weekend? Well, anyone you want, but particularly the weekend just gone. Mobs of town and sa- mobs of youths in town, or should I say, mobs of yobs in town on Saturday night, Neil. I won't be going back in there in a hurry. What the heck is going on? Where are the parents? Um, the chief super is asking the same thing. Why are parents dropping kids with drink uh, to party in the city and the suburbs? We drove past the crowds on the Grand Parade on Saturday night. Apart from the gang of crowds, which was bad enough, what took the biscuit for us was the fact that they had a member of the council going around with a bag, picking up cans that the people were throwing blatantly on the floor. Incidentally, not a guard in sight. Um, well, maybe not when you were passing, but there was a lot of guard in Chicana there particularly when it got busy and it started to get messy. Uh, There were arrests made. Um, My son's car windscreen was smashed near the courthouse on Saturday night and his wasn't the only one. Uh, Parents right now are bored with each other and their children and they're glad to drop their kids off in town. They'd even drop them to Mars if they could. Just another few. That guy on the air said he was drinking wine for five hours. No wonder he didn't see anything down around Oliver Plunkett Street. Uh, he, he said, he, I don't know that he said that. He wasn't, he was, he met friends. I think that was Keith, wasn't it? For a couple of glasses of wine, you know? Uh, driving through the city Saturday night, I spotted three different drug drops. Outrageous carry-on. It was as plain as day. I thought to myself, this could not be real. Well, welcome to the city any day where you can observe drug, drug drops and not just drug drops but injections too um, we were driving through the city Saturday night we stopped at the red light suddenly two guys ran in between the cars and started kicking and punching the car next to ours the car was filled with young people you see they punched the passenger window smashing the glass all over the young girl sitting in the car 
disgraceful behaviour. They then ran back into their gang of about 10 plus and ran away. Uh, why didn't the caller on the air, who's such an expert in law, carry out a citizen's arrest if he saw a Garda doing something illegal? Uh, has he the courage of his own convictions, says Pat. Not quite sure what one you're referencing. That's probably something that was on air yesterday. Incidentally, I saw a video then uh, yesterday that Ema showed me. It looks as if it was Dublin, either the Lewis or the Dart, uh, where there was a gang of yobs, uh, some of them with bikes, some of them with others. And there were young girls there who were rushing to try and get on the, the train or the Lewis before the, the doors closed. And one guy took a fly kick at a young girl and kicked her into the head. Yeah, really, kicked her into the head. Uh, and off he went laughing with his mates. If that wasn't bad enough then, another girl who was running behind her trying to get to the dart door in Hoth before the train took off. Another guy kicked her, what looked like, into the side. But when he kicked her, he knocked her. And she fell between the dart and the track. You know the gap? There is a gap. Down she went. You see her hit the ground, roll over and disappear down onto the tracks. They thought that was absolutely hilarious. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Emro Award winning music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. We're driving on the Monaghan Road Saturday evening. There were 100 teenagers walking with purpose towards Parky Cueve in Black Rock, down around Black Rock, Beaumont and Ballantemple area. When we drove back the same way, there was no sign of them. We don't know where they went. They just disappeared. I'm guessing the quarry or the marina somewhere like that, because it was just like they just disappeared. It could well have been the quarry. I've been up there from time to time, and there's an awful lot of litter, which is collected by volunteers and all bagged, uh, but uh, an awful lot of alcohol-related litter uh, in and around the quarry area. Uh, I was driving my four-year-old daughter to the Mercy A&D on Sunday, around about half past 11 p.m. It would have been the bank holiday weekend. As I came down behind the courthouse, there must have been a group of about 80, if not more, teenagers roaring and shouting, coming around the corner, taking up the whole road. My daughter was lying down on the seat of the van. I felt so uncomfortable, I had to lock the doors of the van. Remember now, he's going to the Mercy A&D to lock the doors of the van. It was a complete disgrace and I can 100% see why people would be worried about going into the city. So this is not a once-off thing. I think the guard should take an approach similar to the likes of the Spanish police and take no nonsense, says Peter. Another one here. Was it the fault of the adults when the young fellas pushed a young lad lady under that train in Hoth? You reap what you sow. Years of liberal policies have failed. Good kids will be good irrespective, but bad eggs need discipline. I was referencing there the, the young girl who ended up between the train and the track, you know, down the gap, literally. I mean, I think, I think somebody from Irish Rail stopped the train from moving out, thankfully. But whose fault is that? Is it the young fella? Or is it the adults that rear the young fella? I'm an ex-taxi driver, <clears throat> but doing deliveries now for a fast food outlet. Last Saturday night was the worst I ever saw. The worst I have ever seen. I've worked for all of the concerts, jazz weekends, St. Stephen's night. Never saw it so bad as last Saturday. I was very afraid driving around Saturday night, even at 7 o'clock. Uh, one or two more. Everybody is saying how things are getting worse. You included, Neil. Yeah, I am, unfortunately. It's just just what I see. That's what I experience on air. I'm 41. I grew up near Cork City Centre. There's always been scumbags, 
But the way I look at it is, I have three kids. I know where they are at all times. They are myself and my wife's. They have myself and my wife's number one priority. They will always be our number one priority, full stop. But the scumbags um, that were around when I was young are the people rearing the young people today. So it's always going to get worse because the morals, you see, get diluted with every generation, which makes it worse and worse and worse. But at the same time, there will always be normal good people rearing good children as well, says Eric. Yeah, I know what you're saying, that um, the scumbags of yesteryear raised the scumbags of today. They raised them worse than themselves, is your point, yeah? I moved to Cork City Centre in 2019, very soon after I learned not to be in the city centre alone after 4pm, especially in winter and on weekends. The atmosphere takes a turn, and I don't feel safe. This is somebody who lives in the city centre. Garda presence was very noticeable towards the end of 2019, as city centre crime was way up then. Now, though, it's just taken a different form, because takeaway drinks are available. I think that to some extent this will pass when businesses reopen again, will they not? One final one. My kid was out Saturday with their friends. They're all over 18. They were all looking forward to it. They met up and then the guards poured out their drinks on the ground for no reason unless they're lying to me. And I don't believe they are, says Kieran. Uh, thank you for that. Just one fast one. We were in Blackrock Village Saturday evening and the guards came. They were very nice. They had a quick chat with us and asked us to make sure we kept the place clean and have a nice evening. There were five of us, all around 40 years of age. So thank you for those texts. Text 0868104106. And we'll pick it up throughout the course of the morning because I have a lot of emails as well. Uh, Pro and anti. People who are happy and sad, annoyed uh, and angry. Um... You know, somebody mentioned there the no-nonsense approach of the Spanish police. I just want to talk to Sean Wren, who's actually in, in Tenerife. Sean, good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. I know, I, know, I know you wanted to talk about... We have, a tech, we have a poll up on Twitter at the moment as to whether people call their, their mammies mam or mum. Um, so let me, let me start on that point, actually. Have you, have you voted on our Twitter poll? It's up till tomorrow morning. No, I, I haven't because what I call my mother it doesn't exist on any poll. Yeah. When I, when, when I was a small boy, I called my mother Mammy. And then when I became a teenager, I didn't want to be saying Mammy this and Mammy that. So I didn't want to call her mother because I felt that was very formal. So I decided I would call her Mud. M-U-D. <laughs> As in dirt. <laughs> Uh, come on, no need. That's that's unnecessary. That's, that's no, I, I clearly, I clearly don't mean that. That's what you were saying about your mother, but it's the, it's the word exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she accepted, and she loved it, and she thought that it was a lovely, uh, unique title to give her. And I just wondered, am I the only person that has ever called their mother mud? Well, M U D or mudder, M U D E R, or maybe mudzer. Well, well, that would be the correct with your T H. Yes. Well, if, if I <laughs> no muds are as in M U D D S E R. Oh, okay, okay. Anyway, I I, I, I didn't analyze it to that extent. I just decided I would call her mud, and she loved it, and she was the, one of the best mothers anyone could ever ever have. And I must pay that to her as well. Oh, well, fair play to you. So you don't you don't have any box to tick on our Twitter poll. You either have an option between mum or ma'am. Neil. I'm 73 years of age and I never ticked boxes. I was always, 
<laughs> sending sending out there on my own. Well, I'd love I'd love to see you then have a go at the theory test because there's an awful lot of boxes to tick, and I and I failed. But anyway, let's listen. They've they've reduced speed limits in Tenerife to twenty right. kilometers. What's That's going? Right. What? Why? That's, yes. Well, now it, it, let's say it, it it depends on the on the road on on uh, let's say uh, urban urban road with two lanes one going forward and one yeah. in, in opposite directions we'll say that would be an Irish country road exactly but with a pavement if there's a pavement on it the speed has been reduced from 30 kilometres to 20 kilometres on, on the same speed. type of road without a pavement it has been reduced from 40 to 30 and on a road with two or more lanes in each direction it has been reduced from 80 to 50. <laughs> Why? Yeah, what? unbelievable. Why? And on, on the motorways, it's, it's still at 120. They, they, they maintain that uh, lots of cyclists have been knocked down and lots of pedestrians have been knocked down and that this will reduce the amount of accidents and, and deaths on the road. Cyclists, I, are, cyclists are just taking over everything, aren't they? Oh, yeah. The rights yeah. of cyclists. Yeah, I mean, it's trumping the rights of, motor, of motorists. Yeah, here, exactly. Here now you have to give a cyclist, I think it's three or four metres. <laughs> you, 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 you literally have to go across, if it's a narrow road, you're driving on the opposite side of the road. So you, you, you can be behind a cyclist for a good ten minutes if it's a real narrow road, we would say, with wine. Oh my God almighty. I, just, when I heard about the theory test and I said, my God, I mean, I, I, I cannot see myself driving at 20 kilometres on um, on a road. You jog faster than the cars. Exactly. And there was, as a matter of fact, I've just been to a friend of mine and she uh, was driving in to visit us this morning and she was trying to do the, uh, the 30 kilometre and she said there was a lady driver behind her hooting and hooting and hooting and eventually, and eventually took over. Overtook, sorry. Overtook. So and I, I really feel like this is going to cause more accidents. But come here, I tell you something, there are many people listening to you right now here in Cork who would just love to be in Tenerife regardless of the speed limits. Another thing, Neil, I think it's because of the... Um, the, the government wants to, uh, the, the fines are outrageous then. I mean, the fines go from uh, 100 euros to 600 euros with six penalty points. So it, it, it's a money-making record as well. And come here, how many penalty points do you get, can you, do you, you know, to be disqualified? I don't know because... I, it's never, 12 here. Probably the same. I'd say that would be European. And it's three penalty points a time here. You're saying in Tenerife it's six? Oh, you, you, you can lose, no, it, it would be three. You can lose up to six. Up to uh, if you if you if you're with ten or fifteen kilometres over over the limit, my God, they're serious, aren't they? Anyway, before I let you go, Neil, can, can I just wish all my fellow hairdressers the best of luck in the opening of their salons? They opened and, yesterday uh, and they did a great job, all of them. Do you miss it? Yes. Oh, of course, I loved my work. Of course. I, I worked here for four years. I, I just gave up because I had to give up because I had a hip operation. That and of course, yeah. and of course, Sean and Sue in Cork for decades and decades. Everyone remembers yeah. Sean and Sue. Yeah. And, and you, you know something? Uh, we, we, we still get... As a matter of fact, I had to... Um, 
uh, contact with the client. Well, I've contacted lots of clients. So I was in contact with a 98-year-old client up to last year, and she died. <sighs> and and she was as alert and a lovely lady. It, it, when she would go away abroad, up to very recently, I would get cards for her and phone calls at Christmas. And we had a lovely relationship. And as Joe said yesterday, hairdressers are not just hairdressers. Hairdressers are an essential service for mental health and, and for, for fun. It must have been a pleasure for people to have their hair done by you because I'd say you were just so kind and lovely. Great listener. And oh, thank you. you know, I would just, I just get that vibe about you, you know? I really do. Well, I do my best. All right. And it's and, always lovely uh, to chat with you. And as, as well as that, we always, we, 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 had, we had problems. We had problems, we had family problems. We, 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 we didn't have it easy, naturally enough, with yeah. five sons. It takes yeah. crazy. But we never brought those into work. And we would just pretend to be happy and listen to the people. And because we had the experience, and I always say that the, the greatest college education that I ever had was the College of Sean and Sue. Because, <laughs> because we, we, we saw it from, from, let's say, in reality. And we, I'd say and you trained a lot of hairdressers on Lee Side, Sean. We did. We did. And we, we, and we had very successful stylists. And if I felt somebody was not going to make the stylus, within six months I would know and I would tell them to, um, that to seek a different career or a different salon where they didn't care, that they just wanted a scrubber and a washer upper and a messenger. Girl. That was a bit harsh, wasn't it? It was done. There's no point in... Pussy footing around? No, I'll just give you one instance and, and then I'll go. We, 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 there was a girl who came to us, a lovely, lovely girl. She was a country girl. She was a fantastic cleaner. She was full of personality. But when it came to the, tra- when it came to the practical work, even though she may have had it in her, she didn't have the confidence. And I, 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 we used to have school, uh, classes by night, and she, she, oh, I couldn't get anybody. I couldn't get anybody. And one day I said to her, um, we call her Mary. I said, no, her name was not Mary. I'll call her Mary. Yeah. Go downtown now and don't come back without a model. I said, everyone is willing to get their hair done for nothing. So she came back and she said, I couldn't find anybody. So I said, well, look, it's like this. I said, you're a lovely girl. I said, you're, I'm only going to waste your time and going to waste your life. In my estimation, you will never have the confidence to become a hairdresser. So I said, look for another job. And when you find it, I said, I'm not sacking you. Anyway, within days, I got um, a phone call from John Stores. And they said, could I speak to Mr. Ellis? Yes, speaking. He said, we have an application here from... Uh, such and such, yeah. I said, yes. So he said, um, can you give me a reference? I said, you couldn't meet a nicer girl? I said, she's willing, she's obliging. I said, but this is a hair salon. I said, she's a fantastic cleaner. She would make a fantastic receptionist. We don't need a receptionist. I said, she's got everything except what I would consider the ability to become a good hairdresser. The flair for hairdressing, yeah. But yeah. I said, I would highly recommend her. That girl ended up being one of the top buyers in Dunstore. Eventually. Isn't that amazing? And without because your intervention, that would never have happened. Yeah. We had another. We had a, yeah. a young man who came into us from another salon, and he was the, the makers of a fantastic hairdresser. He got no chance. The salon would charge him five hundred euro uh, to train him. He was all he was was a messenger boy. He turned out to be a brilliant hairdresser with uh, with uh, salons of his own, and now he's in England doing very well. Well so done. That, well, well done. no, that's that's the story of the Sean and Sue hair salon. It's the story of the traffic in Tenerife. It's the story of uh, mud. mud. <laughs> my lovely, my lovely mud. And listen to me. I have to say it. You know. Thank you very much for, for being there because there are days when I feel very down and I turn you on. Now, there are some days that I end up being more down. 
have that effect on people, I'm afraid. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but there, there are days, and it's absolutely fantastic. All right. Well, 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 well done. Hold on there before you go, Katrina. Hello. So Sean's mammy is not the only mud in the world, is that right? Well, our grandmother is a muddy. So he's a mud and a muddy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that nice? And do they like being called mud and muddy? Well, muddy's after passing away, but we never, ever, ever called her grandmother or nan or nana or anything like that. It was always muddy and pop. It was never nanny and granddad, always muddy and pop. Not ma- not nan, no? We used to call no. nan, no? No, no nan, no grandmother. It was muddy and pop. Well, there um, you go. There you go. Not everybody liked it, though. Anne-Marie said, just listening to Sean on the radio, myself and my five siblings always called our mum mud. Can I tell you, she hated it. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. No, I think muddy. I think muddy liked her name. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, but, yeah and, my, and my mud loved her name. And there was, there was never a speck of mud on her. She was clean. <laughs> Ladies, weren't they? <laughs> exactly. They well, well at least at least I'm not on my own. No, you're not. Another fellow here, Mark. Mark says my husband Mark calls his mum Mudsy. Mudsy, yeah, lovely. Another yeah. one, Neil. I always called my mum Muds, and she loved it too. Please tell Sean he's not alone. So there oh, you yeah, have it. Sean is alone. All right. Okay. Lovely That's chatting lovely. with you all. Take care. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Katrina. Incidentally, yesterday, as Sean said, the hair salons opened. All beauticians opened. All personal services in that regard opened. We did a lovely vox with Seamus yesterday from Pennies. Yesterday was a big day on Lee side, easing the lockdown restrictions, and shoppers were back in pennies and we were there by appointment only. People went back to mass and things and hairdressers like Icon on Marlborough Street reopened along with all of the barbers. Seamus spoke with Val, the owner of the award-winning salon and indeed some of the clients there too. Uh, and this is from Icon from yesterday morning on a busy day. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? I've been working all the way through lockdown so like, you know, just working on the business and that kind of thing. But there's nothing like being back here, you know, with our beautiful clients. It actually, I said it to one of my clients this morning, I actually feel like I'm grounded again. It's, it's mad. It's kind of like, we're back, yeah, I'm, I'm back where I, I'm supposed to be. You were out of kilter so the last couple Completely months. out of kilter, yeah. And for me, it's a very kind of like a social and emotional thing, do you know what I mean? Mm. We have such a connection with our clients and with the team, you know, that you're like a fish out of water when you're actually not in here. I've been coming here for about six years, I'd say. I don't get, get my hair cut anywhere else. Um, I trust Val, like, I, with my life, basically, at this point. But uh, it's so nice to be in here this morning, seeing the place full of life. And it's even nice just coming into town and seeing people around, you know. It's, it's great, like, so it feels, feels great to be in here. And, you know, like, obviously, when they reopened in the past, I'd come in to get my hair done, and it's... It's sad to see spaces like this, especially Val's place, because it's brand new, you know, it's a whole new place, and it's sad to see places like that empty and not being able to open at full capacity. So I think today is a great sign of things that to come, a bit of hope kind of coming back, and I think it's what people need. And so, yeah, it's just, I was lucky enough to go in this morning, get my, I've got a thing on tonight, I'm filming a music video, and I was able to get my fringe trim this morning. So I think they'll be rammed now for the next couple of weeks. I haven't felt so motivated and fresh on a Monday morning to hop in here in a long time, so I'm delighted. For a woman, having a good hairdresser, to it's, it's, it's more about mental health uh, than anything else, so I really did miss it so much. 
So it's not about getting the hair done, it's about this. It's, it's about all of it, yeah. It's about getting the hair done, obviously, as well, because I started to uh, not even recognize myself in the mirror. <laughs> it grew out so much. And you didn't try the box colors or cut it yourself? Um, I'll take the Fifth Amendment on that now, if you don't mind. <laughs> I, I resisted as much as I could. Can I ask you what you're getting done this morning? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Colour, highlights, cut, you name it, I'm getting it done. <laughs> and I see you're working with there as well. I am, yeah, I've got two so young. No, no, well, no, no kids around, so that's downtime. <laughs> it's good, yeah. I'm thrilled to be back. She is an absolute hair surgeon. That's all I can call her. Brilliant. I'm coming to Val 20 years. Where she started off in Princess Street, then down to Alder Plunkett Street, and now back up here where it all started for her. And I, I would come regularly every Friday for blow dry to her as well, yeah. So I really missed it, yeah. It's kind of a social thing as well, I suppose, you know, really. And I feel so much lighter now that all the hair is gone. I think that unless your hair looks right, you just don't look right. It's such an important part um, of your appearance. So um, I missed the pampering. It's just, you know, lovely to come here and just relax and, and feel good when you're leaving. You know, once you find the hairdresser, you just won't really change ever again. And what do you plan on doing now to do hairstyles? <laughs> <laughs> I might just go out for lunch with my husband, maybe once I'm finished here today, and getting back to the church. I usually go every morning, so I'm really looking forward to going back and being part of a congregation. The online was great, a great alternative, but you know, um, you're sort of on your own, um, and it's a very different feeling, and to be able to receive the Eucharist as well would be very important to me. So we've so many clients like that who are with us, you know, for so long. You know, I've such, I've been amazing. I've an absolutely wonderful team. They're absolutely fabulous. We're back on track. You know, we're we're back. Look, the boys. It's amazing. I just love it. It's fabulous. Baby, how you feeling? Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. A lot of text coming in on referencing ma'am or mum or mud, or as the case may be for Sean. And some lovely texts actually about the lovely Sean uh, Wren from Sean and Sue. Lovely to hear Sean Wren, a gentleman always from a former client. It brings back wonderful memories of my late mum as well when I hear Sean talking. It's more like that. Phil called to say Sean is wonderful. Did her hair for 40 years and she misses him terribly. And a lot of other people then who also call their uh, mother. Mud. Actually, th- there's a lot of different phenomena, actually, and I know we have a Twitter poll up as to whether it's mum on the south side and mam on the north side, or what you call your mother. Uh, but what about, like, if you have a husband and there are rearing children, you find that some husbands call their wives mother or mam as well, which is kind of a bit funky, isn't it? Um, and you know how yesterday uh, all of the hairdressers went back and nail styles and people doing lashes and all sorts of things like that. I wonder how did all the staff get on when they were meeting all of their mates for the first time in purpose for a long time. I'm sure that hairdressers don't have any problem communicating with anyone, never mind their workmates. They love to chat and it's all part of the job. But it isn't the case for everybody. I got an email in recently. I want to talk to, um, I want to, talk to the uh, psychotherapist at the Therapy Institute, uh, Richard Hogan, Corkman, who's with the Therapy Institute in Dublin. I deal with him uh, anytime we've got issues like this that meet, might need some professional advice. And it has to do with aspects of getting life back again. Anna said, I wanted to reach out to see if any of your listeners were in the same boat as me. I've been working from home in my sales job since March of 2020. 
before COVID, I was an outgoing, sociable, single woman. I'd loved going to the pubs and to the gym, meeting my friends for drinks, and I'd talk to the wall. However, in the last few months, I've become more and more introverted. Because I'm living alone, the only people I've spent time with for almost a year are my mum, dad and sister. I now find I don't even have much left to say to them when they ring me. The idea of returning to the office with loads of colleagues just fills me with dread. The thought of being in a busy bar and having to make conversation with my friends is also causing me no end of anxiety now. I'm hoping when everything opens up, I'll be ready to re-emerge into the world. But the way I feel now, I'd be happy if I never left the house again. I feel like I've almost been institutionalized in my own home. Perhaps your listeners uh, might feel my, this way. Can you ask if any of them have developed this social anxiety? I sincerely hope I'm not alone in my feelings. I've spoken to a few friends about this and they have also said they're just a bit anxious about being in crowds again. I would appreciate any advice. So with that in mind, Richard Hogan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Richard Hogan, the psychotherapist, the uh, psychotherapist with the therapyinstitute.ie. I sent you on this email uh, that I asked you to have a read of and it's probably an example of what I might call uh, the next pandemic to come in after COVID, and that is the pandemic of anxiety, the pandemic of sure. loneliness and things like that. We'll come back to that. Do you mind if I just read the email? I know you've seen sure, it in advance. Neil. Okay, it says. Sure. Uh, Hi, Neil, I wanted to reach out to see if any of your listeners are in the same boat as me. I've been working from home in my sales job since March 2020. Before COVID, I was an outgoing, sociable, single woman. I love going out. I loved past tense, going out to the pubs and to the gym, meeting my friends for drinks, and I talk to the wall. However, in the last few months, I've become more and more introverted because I'm living alone. The only people I've spent time with for most of the year, my mum, my dad and my sister, I now find I don't even have much left to say to them when they ring. The idea of returning to the office with loads of colleagues now fills me with dread. The thought of being in a busy bar and having to make conversation with my friends is causing me no shortage of anxiety. I hope, I'm hoping when everything opens up, I'll be ready to re-emerge into the world. But the way I'm feeling now, I'd be happy if I never left the house again. I feel like I've almost been institutionalized in my own home. I've spoken to a few friends about this and they have also said they're a bit anxious about being in crowds again, etc. Any advice? Well, I thought I'd turn to you. What did you make of that email? Yeah, Neil, I read that email and she's not alone, the, the, uh, the, the lady who wrote that in, she's, she's not alone. A lot of us are feeling like that. But the great news is, Neil, that's just a little bit of catastrophizing. That's a little bit of, you know, when you're out of work for a, for a few, uh, maybe a week, you begin to think, will people be talking about me? Mm -hmm. Begin to think, will I be able to slip back into the old connections? There? Let's, say, let's say if you've been out for maternity leave, mm -hmm. you've been out for six months, you know, you can start to think, will I be relevant again in the office? Will, will my friendship still be the same? So we begin to hypothetically 
bring to, in, into, into our mind these very negative stories about what work is going to be like. But the great news for that, for that writer, for the person who wrote that in there is Anna, that Anna, her, name, yeah. Anna, sorry, yeah, thanks. The yeah. great news for Anna is that her personality, our personalities get written very young in her, you know, when we're in her very early in her formative years, Neil, the personality gets written and that doesn't change. What's happened there is that the pandemic is, is, is impacted on some of our behaviors, right? But her personality is absolutely, it's a concrete thing. It doesn't change. And so what she'll find is because we're mammals, we're very social, very social um, beings that the minute she gets back into work, all that catastrophizing, all that hypothetical negative stuff that she's wondering about work, she'll just see she'll just see that she falls back naturally into those patterns that she had beforehand. She described herself there as an outgoing person, love chatting, going to pub, meet her friends. She described, you know, like most of us, the way we are. But what she's been doing there, Neil, is overthinking what it's going to be like. And so she's kind of almost paralyzed herself with a little bit of analysis. An, that an extrovert work. that has turned into an introvert with what looks like some agoraphobic tendencies, no? Uh, no, 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 no I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I hear what you're saying, but um, just I would say it's a lot milder than that. It's just overanalyzing. It's overthinking. It's uh, over contemplating, having too much time to think about what it's going to be like when she gets back into work. Will she even have something to say? Will she be relevant and have a conversation to be able? Of course, all that stuff is going to come very naturally to us. And a lot of us are feeling like that. But the minute we get back into it, Neil, as you know yourself, you go back into a social situation, it's just going to flow naturally because that kind of that connection is in our DNA as a species. But, uh, I mean, you just can I just pick up on something that has sure. uh, just come out in the latest edition of RSVP? There's an interview with you where you're asked, will the long-term effect from working remotely be positive or negative? Uh, for me, I think negative. Um, and I think I mentioned that the next pandemic will probably be anxiety, mm. social isolation and loneliness. Where are you at with this new world of working from home? Well, I think it's had... I think some people have had very good habits and I think it's had a, a deleterious impact on a lot of people who developed bad habits and I think uh, working from home, we see again that social aspect of us, we are hardwired to be connected, I mean it's just in our DNA you know, it's just we're mammals and so we, we need to be connected and when we're not connected and we feel disconnected at the same part of the brain fires when we um, hit our hand with a hammer we feel that isolation, that loneliness that, you know, that social distancing that we had to do there for the last 14 months, that doesn't feel good for us that feels very unnatural to us and that's why i suppose working from home can be for a lot of people a very very negative experience for some of us it's, it's fine but for a lot of people it's very it's so a very why, negative thing. why is all this research that's being published or all these opinion pieces saying that people are looking forward to it and they prefer it i mean okay i get that they don't have long transports or commutes anymore i get that they're yeah. saving money um but don't we need human contact in the workplace we do. We, we absolutely do and i suppose a lot of it is, you know, the, com the convenience. But what you're looking at there, Neil, right, is more than agoraphobia or anything that, you know, that serious is you're looking at a habit. And as a species, we form habits, habits very quickly. So we get used to not commuting. commuting. We get used to we get used to not being involved in the office politics. We get used to not going for lunch. We get used to all those social things that we were doing. And we kind of think, and like that, like Anna there, we begin to dread, will I be able to manage that again? Will I be able to get back into that habit? But absolutely, of course you will. And actually what you'll find within a week or two of going back into work, my God, I missed this. This is actually what I really, you know, missed. I just had a little bit of catastrophe, a little bit of hypothetical kind of negative talk going on in my head. Actually, this is fine. This is this is actually what I, what I really need. I've done this for so many years. You're, you're just going to fall back into it.
I, I mean, I have been chatting with other people ahead of this, and some of the uh, some of the comments are quite interesting. They they find sure. that they have less and less to talk about. Um, <laughs> there's less going on in their lives. They worry about having nothing to talk about when they get an opportunity, say, to go back to the pub or the restaurant or to work. They are also worried about things like weight gain, mortified about yeah. meeting old friends again because they put on a few extra pounds. Yeah, you know, these are the, yeah, these no, are I, genuine worries. Yeah, and I think I suppose we none of us have too much to say for ourselves. You know how we how have the last fourteen months gone? We haven't done anything too exciting in our lives where we can say, well, you know what, I did this and I did that, and I was over there in New York. None of us have done those kind of things, um, so we're all in the same we're all at the same level here. But I hear you about the weight gain. I suppose that this is why I would look lean into more positive habits, and I would say, well, this is an opportunity now before we go back into you know our, our lives. What do we want to bring forward with us as we go into this new life? What do we want to leave behind us? that are destructive and, and negative uh, patterns of, of our behavior. And I would say, you know, this is a time to kind of get out there and, and get fit and start bringing that in as a, as a normal part of your, your life. You know, exercising, Neil, is really important for any mild mental health condition, getting a good good routine of exercising, good eating. That's a really important thing because, you know, those people who talked about that, they don't feel good in themselves. And it's not about weight or anything, it's about, it's about like, you know, how you feel about yourself. And so having good exercise and good diet and good sleep routine, all those things were impacted massively with, by the by the pandemic. Mm. And so, you know, sleep is a huge thing that I've, I've noticed in my own clinic oh, that was that collapsed because people weren't getting up for work. They were mm. getting up at nine o'clock so they could go to bed at two and still, as they saw, get a good, a good enough night's sleep. And so those patterns that are so important to us collapsed very early on with the with the lockdown. I mean, it's an so incredible. That's an incredible point you make, actually, because mm -hmm. it gets me thinking of the people who would actually prefer to stay in lockdown. I don't. I don't mean that in any kind of a hurtful way. It's in the sense no. that they don't necessarily want to go back to their old life, to the frenetic pace of it, uh, maybe to the aspects of it where they were spending too much money or they were spending too much time in the pub, or, or they don't want that life back. You know, and that's got to be anxious for some. And that's why I said this is a really important moment. This is a real silver lining out of all this pandemic is to look at your life and think, what is it that I was doing before this pandemic when our lives came to a pretty pretty serious halt there and we got a pretty big full stop in our lives? What do we want to bring forward now that we're going back into our lives? And that's really about sitting down there, Neil, and, and journaling. What you know, First of all, what am I grateful for in my life? And now next, what's destructive? What's negative for my life? What, what, what impacts my life in a negative way? And what don't I want to bring forward into the, my life as I go back to normal life, as we say with, with, with work, where, you know, it's probably going to be a hybrid of work, to be honest. And so what do I want as I, get, as I go back out into my life? What do I want to bring forward with me that's healthy? But it can't be healthy to ask somebody to live and to work in the same home. I mean, where, where your bedroom is adapted to the workplace. I mean, just think about that. On, on top of that as well, I think that we are involved as a country, as part of the European Union, Ireland, where people have a right to disconnect from work. Are you aware of that, where you reach a certain time of the day and you should be uncontactable? D is that not breached now more so than ever with people working from home where they will work longer and they're contactable all of the time? It absolutely is, Neil. It's a very good point. It's very well articulated. And I think a lot of your listeners, from many of your listeners, maybe all your listeners, me included, you know, noticed that we were answering emails and working at half ten at night. And there was that boundary between your work and your and your home was absolutely collapsed. And I think that's something that, you know, working from home has probably illuminated to us that when you do work from home, 
there is that sense that those boundaries are are, are very opaque that they're not clear at all you, you don't know where your day starts where your, your day ends and there's no time anchors which is very important for us. And there's no sense of leaving the work. You know, when I step out of my clinic here in Fitzwilliam Street in Dublin, I leave the work there, you know, and, and I go home and I commute. It's a very important part of, uh, you know, that kind of, that that compartmentalizing your life. And I, I, I suppose that's probably one of the big impacts, I think, what you might, what you, what you raised there of working from home was the sense that there was no, there was no off time. I am at home. I should be working longer. Yeah. I'm not doing my job even though you're probably working harder than ever at home. Absolutely, yeah. That negative thought creeps in and that, that my boss my boss needs to see me working all the time. I need to see him to be online all the time for, for, for me to feel like that she or he will know that I'm, I'm working hard. And of course, that's an error in our thinking. And that's we, we have to get better at that stuff. If we're going to have this hybrid working environment for the next year or two, we're going to have to get better at understanding our boundaries and putting them in place. But isn't Not it going healthy. to isn't it go, no isn't it going to lead to problems working from home living from home with regards to isolation you say we are mammals and we crave yeah. we have a herd mentality don't we we do. We're, I mean, it's wired. I mean, we, when you meet someone, Neil, there, like I do, and I meet a like-minded person, you're kind of buzzing after you meet them and you have a good chat with them. You feel great because, you know, uh, neurons that fire together, wire together, and we, we feel connected to somebody. And that's a really important part of our species. That's why we, that's why we organize ourselves in clusters and societies and cities and all that, because we need, we love to be around each other. So uh, while some people will find it easier to navigate than others, the majority of us will struggle living at home if we don't have a really healthy um, routine in place and who will bounce back better with regards to picking up their old life and their friendships and their socializing will it be men or, or women I, I, I imagine that women are probably better communicating their emotions than men oh I suppose yeah women maybe are have an opportunity yeah I suppose women might find it a little bit easier but I think I think I think we're all without not you know looking at gender I think we're all really just looking forward to getting out there and to meeting each other again and not to overanalyze it, not to overthink what life say, but just be yourself and be authentic and, and just be in the moment and free yourself from those paradigms that you're holding that are negative, you know, those paradigms that say to you, I won't be able to have a conversation with somebody or I won't have, you know, something really clever to say or I won't have something interesting to say because I've done nothing. Mm. It's really about you know, just just getting out now and and connecting again, as Dr. Tony Hulin said, this is a time to reconnect. And we've all been so disconnected over the last fourteen months. This is a time to free ourselves from negative self-talk and bring something positive into the world that we want to kind of present about ourselves and be healthy. So while Anna says she may feel institutionalized yeah. in her own home, you're saying don't worry about it. Don't have this social anxiety going forward because it's like riding a bike. Uh, you never forget how to communicate. Exa- that's exactly the point, Nelia. Don't worry about it. That's just a little bit of overanalysis. That's just a little bit of overthinking, a little bit of rumination. All that stuff is hardwired in our, in our species. That's the, kind of like the bit of the amygdala talking to you, firing, going, oh my God, you won't be able to fit in here. You won't be able to talk. You won't have anything interesting to say. Don't worry worry about that the minute you go back out there that stuff is going to reek that's in your dna that's that 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 personality there that you have on it that's just waiting to go again but i'm just wondering just very finally as to whether the way that we socialize going forward will be like before in the sense of will the pub culture come back many people have learned how to live and to socialize at home or go for walks or hang around the pier head in black rock sharing a coffee um will the pub culture come back as we know it for instance do you think 
Well, if history tells us anything from 100 years ago, remember the 20s, and uh, it was called the Roaring Twenties after the First World War and the pandemic was over, uh, I think you're going to see uh, that the pub culture will be fine again. I think um, that whole way of life will return, maybe even a little bit stronger, uh, you know, and uh, maybe hopefully we've brought some other positive ways of meeting each other. That's something that I often think about men in this country need to do meet without the pub being the, the, the rooted centre point and perhaps we've developed some some um, some some activities that we've, we're meeting around that are a little bit more active and a little bit more outdoors that would be fantastic more young but people are rushing to the gym now as they when they finish yeah. work than rushing to the pub exactly and I think that's developed over the last couple of years anyway Neil I think uh, young people probably moved more towards the gym than they would have my age yeah. my growing up in the 90s but um, yeah I, I think the pop culture is going to be fine I think we'll we, we manage we'll we just slip back into our, our old our old uh, way of, of, of how we, we like to communicate and, and connect to people bring it on says you uh, Richard exactly. thanks, all, thanks as always pleasure talking to you really and truly thanks so much thank you so much Neil Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Mixture of texts and Facebook comments following uh, the email from Anna. Debbie says, yes, I feel the same as Anna. Every time I go out shopping, I have anxiety. It started right at the beginning when we were told we could only go out for food. I hope all of it will ease for me. Laura says, definitely not alone in this, Anna. The only difference with me is uh, I wasn't working from home. Other than that, I feel the same as you. We will get there. Stefan says, I know the story. Anxiety can be crippling. It's been a massive part of my life for over 20 years. It creeps into all sections of your life. If you have the means, go to a therapist that do CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, take it one step at a time. Carol says, I have social anxiety and on the flip side, lockdown has been easier for me. I work in the healthcare sector, so I do interact with my colleagues, but I don't have to worry about having to go to a party or a night out in overwhelming noisy environments. Uh, Richard Hogan says it will pass and don't overly worry about it or get anxious about it. Don't get anxious about your anxiety, Anna. Gladys says you're definitely not alone. This COVID has given us a whole new perspective on life and for many, a quieter life is far more attractive now. Heading back to all we did before again is certainly daunting. I would say go slowly Take everything at your own pace. John says, yes, I can relate to you what you're feeling. I live in Luxembourg. Pubs and shops are open, but I don't go out. My newspaper gets delivered. I won't read it. I have no human contact except at work. I notice I have no energy. Everything I plan, I end up cancelling. You're not alone. I hope it improves for you, John. I really do. Sheila says, soul destroying to be alone, isn't it? Please take care of yourself. Caroline, uh, crikey, uh, when I heard the read the email, it was like reading my own comments in many ways. Anna has put into words what many of us didn't know how to say. One of the things that Richard Hogan said was, uh, you know, I said, well, things come back, you know, the way they were. And he says, well, if history is anything to go by, we had the roaring 20s after the Second World War, where there was an absolute boom for a period of time after it, rebuilding and regenerating. That's very true. Um, certainly the Roaring Twenties in America, but the Roaring Twenties were followed by the Great Depression. <coughs> Patricia says, in a way, it's good to remove all the noise and senseless chatter many spend their lives in. Perhaps, Anna, you're realizing a lot of that is fake, which it can be. If you per- prefer staying in, stay in. I do. I avoid people like the plague. 
I avoid drama. I avoid bitching. I would rather be in my own home with my comfort and my dogs. Although I've been doing that way, I've been doing that way before COVID. So I'm well adjusted. Do what you feel you want to, not what you feel you should do. There is no should. I think many people have found themselves uh, during this lockdown, this quiet time. We have found ourselves again. It's a good time to reassess what you want to do now going forward. Yeah, I suppose, you know, shed what you want to leave behind. That's the point I was trying to make to Richard. Not everybody wants to go back to everything the way it was. And just three more quick ones. Anthony says, small steps. Your mind likes routine and has adapted to a new routine of being alone. But it will adapt again to being outside and in crowds again. Learn a few coping techniques. Perhaps talk to a therapist. No harm in that. But I'm sure there was a time you thought you'd never adapt to being stuck inside. But we even adapted to that. You adapted before you can do it again. Wise words. Thank you. Yvonne says you're definitely not alone in your feelings. A lot of people will struggle socially after all of this. We need to take baby steps. Get up for walks and start making short phone calls to friends. There's no shame in anxiety. Give yourself little pep talks. Instead of telling yourself it's going to be awful to be back, keep telling yourself you'll be absolutely fine. Because you know you will. It will all become familiar to us again in no time. That's a good word, familiarity. Uh, Eileen says, I feel the same. People have become very nasty during the pandemic. I just want to lock the world outside. And that's just a selection. Your thoughts are welcome. You can always email neil at uh, redfm.ie. And I will come back to that. I'll jump back to that again, perhaps later this morning and lots more besides. But I started this morning by being totally honest and open. Some years back, I took uh, the driver driving test again, not officially, but I still did it with the tester and I failed abysmally, atrociously. And I got an email in yesterday from somebody who was freaking out about all of the tens of thousands of people who are waiting for driving tests in Ireland and even more, 55,000 people are waiting for a theory test uh, in this country now and uh, we in Cork have the second highest number in the country second obviously to areas of Dublin so uh, one chap emailed me say, I've got 40 years driving experience my brother has 30 years driving experience between the two of us it was 70 years driving experience and both of them took the theory test yesterday you can do the dummy ones online and both of them failed so I took the test as well then yesterday and I failed you need to answer 40 questions you need to get 35 of them right I mean, I got so close, you'd think you'd be given it anyway. If you get 33, it's only two off the pass. But nah, fail. Big black letters. F-A-I-L. Fail. Although I was being harassed by two women while I was doing the test, and I believe that to be the reason why I failed. <laughs> Difficult man, I suppose. Fairy, good morning. Good morning, how are you? You're incredible, like. You moved to, you moved to, did you move to Ireland in August? Yeah, in August we moved from Florida. And you moved here in August, and in the fall, which is our autumn, a couple of months later, you did the theory test and passed? I did. I think I got 37 or 38, right? But I spent a couple weeks going through the app um, whenever I had the free time. So I did study a good bit. (laughs) That's amazing, because you guys drive on the wrong side of the road and everything. We we do, and the steering wheel is on the other side of the car. <laughs> and your cars are automatic. You cheat. 
I know. My husband gives me such a hard time about that. I do know how to drive a manual, but yeah, definitely an automatic. <laughs> I'm just amazed that you managed, you know, within, because when I went to live in Canada, I took the driving test in the middle of winter and I failed that. Apparently, oh. apparently I, I drove it into a snowbank. I don't think you're supposed to. <laughs> they take a couple points off for that. They're I don't know if you know. Lovely too. <laughs> apparently. I got it second time around though. What? Did they not tell you beforehand that they were taking points off of that? <laughs> Driving into a snowbank? Exactly. <laughs> if I remember, he just threw his eyes to heaven, I think. That's all. <laughs> anyway, welcome. Where'd you come from? Florida, was it? Florida, yeah. I grew up in Florida and we lived in Orlando before we left. So. Oh my God, you like it. Is your husband Irish? My husband is Irish. He grew up in Cork. And um, so when we first got married, we lived here for about two years while I studied for the bar exam. Right. And then once I passed and he got his B's and everything, we moved back. Okay. So are you working here then in law? Uh, I'm not because that's a whole other thing. It's going to take a couple of years, which is understandable. Um, so I've started the process, but uh, it'll be a few years and a few grand. And then I guess I have to take two weeks worth of tests in Dublin. So, uh, so your law system doesn't just um, you can't pick it up here in practice. It's a different type of law, is it? It's very different, and I did criminal law, so it's definitely very different. I don't think I'll do criminal whenever I switch over, but it, we'll see how it goes. But now I'm just home with the kids, so, well, not just. It's a very important thing. You but. better believe it is. I'd love to have a chat with you sometime down the track to compare the differences in criminal law here and and in America. What I love about the American system that you never see here is that the media get to interview jurors in America. Do you notice that? They can after the fact if they want to. Yeah, they can't during, but after, definitely. It's yeah. up to the juror. That never really happens yet. And they even write books, the jurors, you know, of the very... They do. It's crazy. Yeah, there's like big trials. Uh, there was one in Orlando uh, about this girl who um, was accused of killing her young child. And so many books. and mo- There's a movie about it and everything. It's crazy. It certainly is. I'll tell you something. I'm going to run out of time, but I want to finish the conversation after 11. Can you spare me some time after 11? No problem. You're the greatest. We'll chat then. Thank you for now. Back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Just want to finish my conversation with Ferry. Ran out of time. When you hear me read out forecasts, forecasts like that, you must miss Florida, do you? I actually don't. I was thinking that when I heard it. This is my <laughs> ideal temperature. <laughs> what? Why? Yeah, I because it's so hot there. Like my sister was telling me the other day, it's literally almost 40 degrees there already. That's and ridiculous. it gets, just gets worse and worse. And then my husband yesterday sent me an article about these storms this week. And I, and I was like, they're making an article because it's thundering. <laughs> I, it's regular I know, here. Yeah, yeah I, I like it, it would shake the house back home. <laughs> What's an ideal temperature, would you say? If it was 24 degrees all year, we'd be kind of happy with that, wouldn't we? Yeah, I, I'd be good with that. <laughs> anyway, you took the theory test um, yeah. and you passed. What, what did you get out of 40? I think I got 36 or 37. I honestly can't remember. Oh, my God. I'm a I joke. mean, I did miss a few, but so I was kind of angry about that. But, um, <laughs> you, but yeah, but it's, thir- it's 35 to pass and you figure you yeah. got 37 out of 40. That's fantastic. So with that done, then, um, do you not proceed then to do your 12 lessons? 
because I've had my license for so long, I only have to do six lessons. So that's good. Um, and I signed up for them and paid for them in December, but then we went into lockdown. So unfortunately, I haven't been able to do my lessons. We okay. keep having to postpone them. Okay. So you can't do the lessons, never mind the test. Yep. God. It's and, kind of unfortunate. And yeah. I've been driving for 23 years. <laughs> and um, do you ever, like, do they have penalty points in America? They do, yeah. And I, I haven't had any of those in, in a decade. I haven't been pulled over in, like, in just as long. So I'm just like, can I not just take a few lessons, take the theory test, because the rules are obviously different, get used to the roads a little bit, and then be done with it. <laughs> yeah, but you know the way it is with all the things that shut down and all the restrictions and being up close and personal with people in a car. It was one of those things that was bound to be paused, you know? <laughs> That's the thing. And, I, and every time something reopens, I text them. They must be sick and tired of hearing from me. I'm just like, okay, can we, can we do it now? Oh, no, sorry. It's still closed. It's too close to other people. And I get it. I've been super strict about our interactions because our baby has a slight heart defect. So yeah. I've been very, yeah. very yeah. strict. So I get it. I'm just tired. 5,000 <laughs> people in Cork are waiting the theory test. And 10,000 people, they say, uh, are waiting in Cork to do the actual driving test itself. These are the RSA. Wow. Figures, you know? That's nuts. Isn't like, it? I, I know a bunch of people. I actually, one of the, another American, because I'm in these Facebook groups with Americans who live in Ireland, and all of them are obviously having the same issue and wondering why we can't do something else to get since we've been driving. And one of them, she said she had scheduled her theory test sometime last fall, and now it's been postponed until July. Yeah, and I'm I, like, well, I'm glad I got mine when I did. I know, but I'd say it's the same all over the world, though. I'm quite yeah. sure America was the same, that everything got... Canceled. Oh no, but they're completely open now. <laughs> I know, I know. Florida's completely open at the moment. I don't know what to do with myself about it. <laughs> like, well, at least they've all got the vaccine, so that's good. Um, but, uh, well, I got to ask you before I let you go. I know it's yeah. not spelled F-A-I-R-Y, but it is pronounced fairy. Yeah, correct. It's short for Fetishta, which is Persian and means angel because I was born two days before Christmas. But Fetishta is a little hard for kindergartners to say. So I chopped it off and I made it fairy. All right. Because I was just thinking when I saw the name fairy come up, I was wondering, <laughs> did you have hippie parents or something? Oh, man. Like, uh, clearly my parents hate me giving, giving me a name like Fetishta, especially because my ki- my middle name is Robin. So, like... Fairy Robin. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, can I not just have one pronounceable name where you look at it and you know what my gender is? No. I can't tell you how many times they called Mr. when I was in law school and they're just reading my name off. I'm like, nope, that's me right here. I'm not a mister. <laughs> Listen, do do stay in touch, particularly when you get to do the actual driving test. I have a funny feeling you'll pass. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Thank right. you from your lips. <laughs> All right. Take care. Cheers for now. Thanks so much. Have a good one. You Bye. too. Text 0868104106. Um, I'm going to do that theory test again at midday. I'm going to give it another go. Uh, my apologies. Somebody's given out to me for using the word feck. I, I assumed that feck was okay. I know when you put in the U, it's not. So apparently feck is not okay either. Um, with regards to the carry-on down Mahanway, a lot of texts on this from the events of Sunday afternoon. I live very close to Ravensdale. I had a text from a friend yesterday to get the kids in on Sunday. Get your kids in when it all started. It's very scary, but I wonder what responsibility the council has here. Does this type of antisocial behaviour not actually warrant eviction? 
from local authority housing. Does anybody think that that kind of carry on, which is a lot more than antisocial behavior? I mean, if you're, I suppose if you were to catalog or categorize antisocial behavior on a scale of one to 10, the carry on in Ravensdale is a 10 plus. Should that warrant eviction from public authority housing? Your thoughts are welcome on that. Text 0868104106. Remember the carry on in Mount Oval? There were no consequences of that. But when you don't have a television license, you're a criminal, says Paul. Morning. The travelling community want respect and want to be treated fairly, etc. But it's okay for them to go into a housing estate and fight with weapons where young children and families live. Where's the fairness or respect from them? They have no respect for themselves or the public or the law. They are just a law unto themselves. With regards to the events in Longford with the Marquis, the judge said that actually, that the erection of a Marquis, a wedding within the travelling community with them not abiding by the rules and restrictions, does absolutely nothing to help with inclusion, you know, and respectability for both sides, as in the settled community and the travelling community. And and I know that travellers now are settled, if you know what I'm saying in that regard. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. And just from earlier on this morning... Just ahead of the ad break, I just want to mention this. I did mention that um, loads and loads more restrictions are lifted in the UK from Monday. I don't mean to depress you. They'll be hugging and kissing and everything. Strangers, family members, the lot. There'll be a free-for-all, a love-in. But also the NHS um, are launching their app, which is the Vaccine Passport app. And that's going live uh, next Monday, where they'll be allowed to do their international travel thing. And all the newspapers are publishing the green list of countries that people in the UK can, get, UK can go on holidays to from next week and start booking from next week if they've had both doses. So they have the vaccine passport. Seamus was at City Hall on Sunday morning when Michal Martin was getting vaccinated. One of the questions that I had at wanted to ask was about this um, digital passport as to where are we in this country with regards to a vaccine passport. This is quite short. It's just over 60 seconds. There is actually a working time frame between uh, June and, 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 and the, the end of July, beginning of August period in terms of the operation of the, the digital green um, passport. Uh, Europe is pressing ahead with it in terms of the technological side of it um, and also the, there will be more work to be done on the policy side in terms of the application of, of these passports but we want a European wide interoperable portal where you have where people you know where you can register and in fact that you've been vaccinated that you had a negative PCR test um, or that you've recovered from COVID. Uh, so I think that that's the next stage uh, that is happening and that's something Ireland is going to participate in. We're going to participate in that European-wide framework. So staycation this year for the lot of us, is it? No, I'm saying that we've worked through this. I think certainly by the, the, the end of the, you know, the latter part of the summer, you know, possibilities may open up. Uh, but we've got to track the, 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 the virus, keep on top of it, keep the pressure on it. I mean, this has been a, a balancing act so far. We've, you know, let's not forget we're still 400 plus cases a day. That's something you know we, we always keep an eye on. But what's key to us is the hospitalization metrics, ICU metrics, and the reduction in severe illness. I mean, those are key metrics which give us confidence. All right, so what he's saying there, really, if you try and strip away much of what he's actually... What he's saying is that June and July will be at home, and probably August, but maybe sometime in August... 
they'll be in a position then to embrace uh, some kind of uh, European vaccine app for people who have either negative tests or vaccinated or have had COVID and recovered. But we're certainly not looking at June and July. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Great to catch up with you. Always love to get the perspective of a young person, particularly with the year that we've just had. A year, because you're only 20, a year during which there's been a lot of talk about the fact that there was far from enough help or support given to people who are struggling with their mental health, with depression, with anxiety, with worry, or just in a good old-fashioned word, two words, feeling down. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely, sure. It's just been, it's something that's not taken into account, I don't think, you know, especially mental health wise, um, adolescents, all type of ages. Um, it's just not really been taken into account and it's just something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, and I'm just wondering how the younger generation have, um, have survived in the last 13 months or so with, you know, everything that they took for granted and all of the experiences they should be going through socially and interacting with their peers all been taken away from them. It's got to have been tough on them. And as I said, what are you, 20 now? 20 now, yeah. So at a very, very young age, I mean, when you were very, very young, at what stage did you realize that you were gay? I'd say I was about nine when I was kind of just, I knew I didn't fit in with the, the norm or the society norm as such, you know. In what uh, way did you not fit in? Like, I mean, it, talk to me. I just like the the boys, as you'd call them, like they yeah. were just always on about girls and stuff. And I just didn't feel that way towards girls. And I just didn't feel that connection towards girls. And I just kind of knew deep down that it was men that I kind of preferred, you know. And, and as a young fellow, would you play along with the banter like... Yeah, I would have, you know, and I would have tried to hide it a lot, you know, because I just feel like there was such a, not even a stigma, but there was still such a, it was such a big topic to be, uh, if you were gay. So I kind of just tried to fit in and pretend I wasn't gay mm. for a long time. Because mm. this wasn't a long time ago, you know, I mean, the world has changed so much. We're talking about the noughties here, aren't we? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Um, it was only a couple of years ago, do you know, but I just felt that I'd be the talk of the town and stuff like that. And were I you, I mean, were you, were you afraid that you'd be a disappointment to your parents or something like that as well as everything else? Yes, I suppose so. Like, not even that they were, like, homophobic or against it or anything, but, like, I just felt you, you grow up and everyone turns around to you and they're like, oh, any girlfriend, you know? But no one actually turns around at a young age and be like, any girlfriend or boyfriend, yeah. you know? So did that get harder as you headed into your teens, your mid-teens and what have you? Definitely. It really hit hard when I went into secondary school. Um, I was in a mixed school. Majority of my friends were women. The referendum was happening for a gay marriage around the time... And I was at home sitting in my sit room. The news came on, the six o'clock news came on, and the gay marriage referendum was passed. And, you know, it was legal out to marry. You know, and I just went up to my bedroom and I had a little cry. And I was there like, this is me and I'm not going to change for nobody. I just said, I give it a shot and I, I'll come out. So I texted a friend of mine and um, that friend was very good. He came over and he had a chat with me and I kind of just told my parents then but they all could already kind of knew anyway did they, they kind friends, of know, you know already they did yeah <laughs> so I kind of give off the impression anyway before you know so I was just overthinking myself and you were about um, were you about 14 at that stage yeah I was only 14 when I came out so 
Oh, you were carrying yeah, an awful lot of age. you were carrying an awful lot of weight on your shoulders when you look back at it. It wasn't necessary, isn't it true? No, absolutely. I, yeah, it definitely caused a lot of stress and anxiety and stuff. And I have to say, like, it's been the best thing I've ever done. You know, but it I'm was so thankful I've come out. But it was even after you came out, it wasn't without its difficulties because it did lead to depression, huge levels of anxiety. Suicide yeah, thoughts, absolutely. and um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, did did any of those suicide thoughts lead to um, any attempts that led you to hospital or anything? Yeah, I ended up in hospital in 2015, um, twice in 2015, a couple months apart. Um, it was a really, real dark time for me. I just thought there was nowhere else, and I was just really stuck in a rut, and I didn't want to go to school. I was really. Like why? Why were you afraid that people might be talking about you? Why? I mean, you had come out. You found that your parents had already known and had no issue with it. You had a mate, at least, perhaps more. Why? Why were you still feeling guarded and worried? I don't know, really. I I just feel like I've always been that anxious person, you know. And then just when I came out, okay, I was there. Like it was a sense of freedom going around, like, and I felt unbelievable after. It was, I just found it was a really, really difficult experience and I felt all my build-up of stress and anxiety of coming out didn't go away as such. I know. And I kept this, I kept it on top of my shoulders. And then just with school stress and stuff like that, I was just, everything was becoming very overwhelming for me. Did you drop out of school? Did you drop out of exams and things? No, I didn't, luckily. Um, That was on the talk, but I kept going and I kept plowing through. But your pal, then, didn't your pal pass away? Yeah, a couple of months later. The same pal I came out to gay first first day, he um, passed away about a year and a half later in 2016 um, to suicide. So that took a real huge impact on me. Oh and um God almighty, that must have been awful. Yeah, he was very young, 15. What? Yeah, very young. Do you think that there's much of there's much of our young generation being lost to suicide at that young age? I think so, and I think it's coming more prone, especially this lockdown um, as such. Just seeing stories and stuff on Facebook, I just feel people just don't know where to go and don't know the supports that are there for them. You know, and, and did you so know he was struggling? I wonder, Sean. Did you know that he was finding it difficult? Not really, Niall, no, I just didn't, I didn't know, and he didn't even show much signs to any of us, you know, it was just, it just was a shock to us all, you know, and we didn't expect it one bit, like. What effect did it have on you? It had a huge effect on me, and I I was really triggered from being suicidal myself, I was really triggered, and um, I suppose, like, I tried to see look at his family and stuff and the impact it had on them but it didn't really help me now you know I, I was still having these thoughts of wanting to end my own life and I just thought there was nowhere else even though but you I could sp- see the struggles that his own family were going through without him absolutely and the loss and you know it's I suppose it's an endless grief like you'll never get over it and in just spite of all of that you, it, so th- in spite of all of that your thoughts of suicide still had a, a really tight grip on you yeah, they did. No, they so how did you turn the I, corner then, say, between 16 and 20? What happened in those four years? I suppose I I got an amazing team in Cairns at Tide and LS, mental health services, and I've seen a psychiatrist and a social worker. Absolutely brilliant. And I just, I had loads of work, CBT work, and I just loads of work done in myself. And I just felt, 
I was improving and I was coping better day to day living, you know, and I had great support from my two parents and, and my friends. Mm. And can no. any young person who's suffering, can they literally just reach out, pick up the phone to the child and adolescent mental health services and get looked after? Or, or is there too few places for too many kids? Not, to, not that I'm aware of, for sure. I think there's a waiting list actually for a dumb man, which is kind of upsetting, you know, but um, well, that's I my think point. you have to go through your GP, yeah. 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 Do you know, but I was one of the grateful ones, and I am grateful that I did get seen very quickly. Do you know, and what does um, that do? Does that allow you to 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 gain confidence in yourself, belief in yourself, learn to like and to love yourself? Absolutely, yeah, and just kind of like just trying to help me with everyday struggles and just techniques like mindfulness and journaling and stuff. Do you know, just really helping me to live day by day and stop worrying about the future etc and stuff like that and just yeah so just looking at young people in that age demographic they have a lot more worries than just their sexuality don't they um they have exams to worry about they have career choices they have financial worries they have the big bad world to deal with and i think social media is a big one as well social media doesn't help does it yeah Hugely, and I'm copping that last year during lockdown. You know, social media can be such a negative, negative platform with a lot of hate and, you know, people with made up accounts, you know, bullying and stuff like that. And I think that is having such a huge impact. And we're seeing it with celebrities and all taking their own lives because of stuff like this, you know, because, and that's solely the fact, the reason I set up an Instagram page only a couple of, only about over a month ago. Talks with uh, Sean. What do you do, what, Sean, what do you yeah. do what do you do in that Instagram page? I just like to spread awareness. Um, I suppose it's not long up and running, but um, my aim for it is just spreading awareness of mental health. And it's okay not to be okay, and it's okay to have a bad day and to feel down. But just know those days will pass, you know. And I just like to bring a bit of positive to social media. Would you think that what's important as a starting platform is for a young person who's struggling? or anybody, but let's just deal with people of your age, to, to, to talk and open up to your parents. That's what they're there for. I mean, that's what I would wish a son or daughter would do as a dad. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the pa- parents, my parents are absolutely phenomenal towards me. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them today, you know. Um, my mother was basically nearly a full-time carer for me at one stage watching me the whole time and stuff and I suppose that took an impact on her as well but she's been absolutely brilliant for it did you finish school? I did I finished out the leaving cert Um, so I finished out the leaving cert two years ago and I'm now in my second year studying social care are you still so have you moved from Mitchellstown to the city? no due to lockdown I'm still living down here because of the online college and stuff and I suppose that's another reason taking an impact on mental health and stuff oh for god's sake worry and anxiety about exams and not being able to go and be in front of a teacher and the normal tools of education and interact with your friends and stuff in college and get just a helping hand why don't you think about going into counselling it's a huge passion of mine Um, either life coaching or going on I'd love to go travelling after I finish social care and come back and hopefully join the team of CAMS some, somewhere around Ireland. It's not my, a huge passion of mine. Well, having and been then, through it, yeah, absolutely, you would come with special skills, wouldn't you, having been through yes, much of I it? Yes, I just feel I can relate a lot with a lot of people, not 
everyone, but a lot of people in my shoes and my old shoes. And I just, that's the main reason I set up the page, was just to share awareness that better days are coming. You know, I'm only 20 and I my head is unbelievable. It's in a great place. And don't get me wrong, I have bad days and that's okay too, do you know? Yeah, but it was only four short years ago when you weren't in this good a place, so it can be done and re- reasonably quickly. I mean, it's, it can be doing, it's yeah. important to have, you know, Instagram pages like yours if there is a backlog of appointments and a waiting list for services through the HSE. So, a t- so there is no typical person in the world because everybody's struggles are different, but whom are you asking to come and visit your Instagram page? Who do you think you can help most? To be honest, Niall, I think the most I can help is the younger generation between the ages 13 up to my age 20 as such. No, obviously I have kind of awareness and tips and stuff for people at any ages, but that's my real niche market, you know, that I really want to spread awareness that like I find and I find it will help me in the future is the fact I've dealt with all these emotions yeah, and stress and agree. anxiety yeah, of being a child. Yeah. And I've seen something um, Bernard does um, they have a, a sponsored t-shirt and stuff and at the back of it it says childhood stays you, with you for life and I just feel if you deal with your childhood and deal with any stressful or anxious times in your childhood or traumatic experiences I feel like your future you'll be able to handle it better and you have the tools to equip life better in the future forget yeah. me and you certainly have those and a long and happy life ahead of you are you in a relationship now? No, I'm not, unfortunately, because of COVID, for luck. <laughs> okay, there's plenty of time for that, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, listen, talks with Sean on Instagram. Well done for giving back. It's great to catch up with you. Perfect. Thanks so much, Niall. Thanks for having me Cheers, Sean. Take care. You too. Bye now. Super guy, 20-year-old Sean, super, super guy, says childhood stays with you for life. I mean, he is so, so on the money when he says something like that. So his Instagram page is called Talks with Sean. You might wish to check it out yourself. Or maybe there's a son or a daughter. You might just want to steer them in that direction to ask them. Listen, there's an interesting guy I heard on with Prendival this morning. You might want to check out his Instagram page. It won't do them any harm. No harm in the wide earthly world. Talks with Sean on Instagram. Also, other people who are always there to listen are the Samaritans. A very important phone number, 116123. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850-104-106. Asking a general question this morning, not necessarily associated with any of the incidents that we've been talking about at late, but just looking at things globally, if you like. The question, and somebody mentioned it by text earlier on, I'm asking for your guys' opinion on it, Wiz. And it's along the lines of, um, should people, and this would be families or individuals or anybody, uh, who is engaging in antisocial behavior or fighting or feuding or where guards come in and find weaponry and all sorts of things like that, or others who have been convicted of drug dealing, where they're living in public authority housing, and housing is desperate now, so it needs to be respected um, and there are many people who are law-abiding who can't get public authority. As the question is, should they, the people I've described there and, and other things like it, should they be evicted from public authority housing? Should it be just um, one strike and you're out in that regard? Because God knows there is so much of it going on. Uh, and uh, actually an interesting text here says, we live 
near all of the fighting that went on down in Rochestown. We lived in the area for 21 years. It is my belief that most travellers own their own council houses, so they will never be moved out. Don't give up my name because we're scared enough as it is. I'm not necessarily talking about travellers. I'm talking about anybody engaging in serious antisocial behaviour that has... um, uh, a public authority house where many penny people would look after them and be law abiding and, you know, be a good neighbor. Should those that aren't be literally just kicked out? Text 0868104106. You can email. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Uh, email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Meanwhile, of course, just when you thought things couldn't get any worse, yesterday afternoon on Magazine Road, a fight and a stabbing. So, Garda Press say that the Garda are investigating this serious assault that occurred on the Magazine Road 4.15 yesterday afternoon and as usual, uh, somebody manages to film it. I've seen the filming of it. Man in his 20s stabbed during the incident. He's taken to CUH. His condition is described as serious but stable. Who knows why? I can I can hazard a guess, but who knows why? Anyway, following the search of a house in the Glasheen Road area by the guards, a man in his 30s was arrested and a knife was recovered and he's been detained under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act at the Bridewell. Investigations are ongoing, so quick work by Ungarda Shikona yesterday afternoon. But this is a story from Magazine Road yesterday afternoon, 4.15. First thing this morning, Seamus Whelan was on the Magazine Road speaking with some residents in the area in the past few minutes to get their take and their thoughts on yesterday's events. Well, I always feel safe around this area. I was very surprised when I heard it, to be honest. I know there was a lot on about, um, you know, the parties and everything like that, but this is Magazine Road, College Road. That's gone on for years, you know, always and ever. I was surprised, really, when I heard about it now, because you wouldn't ever really hear about anything like that, to be honest. We just saw a few videos, but uh, never don't know anyone involved or anything else, so I can't say much, really. But would you feel safe walking in the area? Uh, I prefer not to come, really. The first day I noticed I was coming home, and I, li- I live very close by, so uh, the, uh, the road was closed off there and yesterday evening. And would you feel safe in the area? Uh, I mean, I've lived here for a long time now, and there's never been that much uh, trouble. It's generally a very safe area, so it's, uh, I'd hope it's a once-off, yeah. It's, it was surprising to see it, yeah. I, I only heard about it today from him, so I, I feel very safe. I only heard about it in the news, so I've never seen trouble here. It's very scary, to be honest, we were a bit... We're a bit shook, but um, I don't know. I think you kind of have to get on with it all the same. It's kind of like walk past here every day. It's mad. Like, I could have been walking past at any stage. So it's kind of hard. I don't go out at night anyway. But, like, you, you're, you're kind of saying it happened in the afternoon. Broad daylight. And I, I never came across it before. And hopefully we won't come across it again either. I wouldn't, like, walk around here on my own, no, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's happening quite a bit around the city these days. Uh, it's become kind of a a, t- um, a frequent thing, yeah. And that's worrying. It is, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Oh, I was aware of it, right? But I was at home. I wasn't. I'm only up today. I have an exam tomorrow. So, would that worry you if something like this in broad daylight? Uh, no, because I wouldn't really make. There was obviously a reason for it. Like it wasn't just. It wasn't just a random knife attack, so it, once you stare at that kind of thing, I'd say it'd be alright. Well, it sounds scary, but I don't particularly feel unsafe for some reason. I don't know why. Magazine Road this morning. Uh, meanwhile, a lot of interesting texts. I can tell you now that this country is getting very, very racist. I get lots of WhatsApps of gangs of different races fighting including Caucasians. Watch this space. 
Uh, thank you for that. Actually, I was out for a walk last night. Just out for a walk with my wife and with the dog when we were up around uh, Ballinlock. It was kind of scary, I have to say. It was somewhat intimidatory. You just wonder what's going to happen next. There was a bunch, it was a multiracial group of young fellas and they were just so loud and it was mo fudder this and it was a-hole that and it was roaring and screaming and it was, they were toting along with them some some loud rap music, almost like drill music, gangster music, really loud, very offensive. And you're wondering, oh, my God, man, what's the point? Um, anyway, can you highlight to people to be careful in the city? Today, I was followed by a man shouting stuff for me, asked me to talk to him. When I said no, he started to follow me. I was glad to be out of the city yesterday morning. Parents are what separates the kids that meet up with their friends who have a few drinks and come home from the kids that meet up with their friends and have a few drinks and cause absolute mayhem. Parents are the difference. The end of the day, it's the way they are reared. Of course, it's the parents' fault. Have you seen the footage in Hoth Railway Station? No drink involved there. Respect is thought. As in taught, I suppose that should be. Actually, yes, um, I have seen the Hoth Railway Station footage. Described it earlier this morning. I won't do it again. But my God Almighty, it is shocking. It would frighten the life out of you. One guy high kicks a girl into the side of the head. Uh, as they're going to walk onto the dart, the second misfortunate girl gets kicked. She falls to the ground and rolls off the side of the track down under the Hoth dart train. Unbelievable. Lots of texts on that and lots more besides. There are also beautiful acts of kindness. Neil, I hope you get a chance. Can you please ask Sharon from Fine Arts? who made a beautiful portrait of Lily the Chihuahua, who passed away two weeks ago. She was killed by another dog, Lily the Chihuahua. I dealt with that story on the air at the time, if I remember correctly. Dave Dowling was on the air about it. Sharon heard the story on air with you and offered to make the piece for Moira, uh, Dave Dowling's daughter. It's actually the Chihuahua's birthday today, and she would have been 10. It's a lovely act of kindness. That's from Sharon from Fine Art, Fire Arts, I think it is. Fire Arts made a beautiful portrait of Lily the Chihuahua killed by another dog. It's very sad in, in, in actual fact. There's no grief between the families of the owning of the, the dogs or anything like that. It was just one of those awful, awful tragedies. You know, interestingly, talking about generational aspects of life, we had a fellow on the air last week who said that old people have had a good innings. They've had a good innings. Uh, and that the elderly had wrecked it for everybody else with regards to COVID. I'm just paraphrasing his words. Tig's livid about that. He says, the fellow who came on the air and said that old people have had good innings is a disgrace. The cheek of him. And uh, you read out texts and had calls to counter his act, uh, counteract his argument. But I hope you'll still get time to read my email. We have to treat everyone the same, but our elderly needed to be protected the most in the last 13 or 14 months. He came on and he said he had a degree in this and a degree in that. And he knows about vaccines. Give me a break. In my opinion, Neil, it's the anti-vax brigade who shout the loudest and tell everyone not to take it. And those of us like myself and you who take the vaccine will get the jab and go on about our business. I don't judge anyone who gets the jab or those who doesn't. Each their own. But the anti-vaxxers are on a mission and they really need to stop watching conspiracy theory TV and come back down to earth, come back to reality. I tell that fool and anyone else, don't take it. But don't tell me what I should or shouldn't do, says Tig. Um, so that's somebody who would have been deemed as behaving badly on air with regards to the elderly. But what about those that were behaving badly in pennies, apparently? Um, 
I just been to Penny's as my sister kindly got me a slot for 5 p.m. It was so well managed by the staff and there were plenty of staff there keeping the shop neat and tidy. But what I couldn't get over were the people from the traveling community uh, who were there with their kids, letting them run around and pick up their own items in their own kids' baskets. Uh, On my time there, I encountered three different experiences. One, the mom told the child she didn't need the pajamas and just threw them on the aisle floor. Then the child threw down the empty basket in the makeup aisle and just ran off. A young girl working there asked me if I needed it or if it was mine. I explained what happened and she said, ah, we're just so used to it. Then another two older ladies, uh, travelers, literally went through their baskets in the makeup aisle and when they decided they didn't want certain clothes, just dumped them on top of the makeup stalls. I was just disgusted with them. They claim to be treated differently, but if you act like this, of course, you will be treated differently. I understand people might not want all of the items picked, but pop them on a clothing rack or can them in behind the till. Don't throw them on the floor so the staff have to clean up after you. I'm not being racist. I'm all for giving everyone an equal chance, but I didn't see anyone else with this kind of behavior on my visit to Penny's. Thanks, says D by email to neil at redfm.ie. Listen to your show from yesterday morning. My son's car had his, his windscreen smashed near the courthouse on Saturday night. His wasn't the only one. Yeah, there were just feral running through the streets like that. I mean, it's almost like commonplace now at this stage, isn't it? O'Neill, you were so dismissive and disrespectful to Keith on air yesterday morning. Why? Well, it was because he wasn't saying what you wanted to hear. I have been more interested, I'd have been more interested in hearing what Keith had to say as he had qualifications and education to back up his opinions. It's easy to talk about the problem. Anyone who didn't see it coming was a fool. I'd say Keith might have had ideas for solutions to the carry on in the city at the weekend had you been able to zip your lip. It makes sense to me that the Gardaí are part of the problem, but I'm very happy to know it's not a criminal matter the next time I hear a guard tell me to move along. Keith was on air longer than most people actually yesterday. He was on air for longer than easily 10 minutes or longer, and I just had to move on at some stage. You know, it was just the the points had been made, you know. We had done it to death at that stage. Are we crazy in Ireland giving those kids a right to run riot? To be honest, their parents can't control them. Surely reserve police could be reinvented in our city centres. Tourists won't stay in Cork for the above reasons kids run and riot sure the ordinary citizen is entitled to a nice trip to the city surely as Bose is the only answer for those um, that can't behave says Anne actually somebody's also suggesting that two different things one the army should be involved in the weekends and secondly a spell in the army or what would have been the FCA might make a big huge difference anyway we'll come back to them I'll try and get through as many emails and texts as I can in the coming days because it's very very busy but I'm conscious of phone calls as well Samantha do you do you know do you know people in uh, in quarantine in a Dublin quarantine hotel? Uh, yeah, I I know one person who actually um, went through the quarantine hotel in Dublin. Yeah. How did he or she describe it? Uh, <laughs> a very bad experience. Um, hygiene was very poor. Only fifteen minutes air break and. 
uh, stuff we're forgetting, a few little things on uh, lunch and dinner. So it wasn't really the greatest. The greatest was this experience. recently? Uh, yeah, uh, less than a week ago or okay. something. So is the food yeah. still pretty rough, yeah? Uh, yeah, that's what, uh, that, that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're of the so, belief that it should be scrapped? Well, I am of the belief that of the belief that um, if somebody has a home, they should be able to quarantine at home. You know, I don't think there is any scientific um, kind of uh, confirmation or any basis to to confirm that the hotel quarantine is more effective than a quarantine at home. So I'm not too sure why people need to pay uh, around two thousand euro uh, to have such a bad experience. Uh, a uh, lot, you know of, a lot of people before all of this, when they came into Ireland and they filled in mm. locator forms, they couldn't be found when people went to check up on them. That's why. Oh well, I mean. <laughs> Do we need all of us to pay for uh, for people who didn't actually uh, follow the rules? I don't think that's fair. You know what I mean? Um, instead of paying 2K and living two wealth days in such poor conditions, I would have thought, you know what I mean, uh, some guardy could actually call up, call up to our home and check if we were there. You know what I mean? Call to you at um, home, yes, is it? Yes. Well, why not? Because I they mean, got other things to be doing. Oh, sure. Then, uh, you, you know what I mean? Then we just need to trust people that will quarantine at home. I, I mean, how how does it sound to you for people to stay in an hotel just for 12 days uh, on their own with probably mental issues uh, with only 15 minutes air break? You know, people are counting seconds. I don't think that's reasonable at this stage. Is you it only I mean? 15 minutes air break a day? That's what I heard. Two, two, um, two breaks of 15 minutes each. So let's say 30 minutes. Imagine if you were a smoker and it was a non-smoking room. Mm, I, I have no idea how smokers would cope with it, to be completely honest with you. But even the small kids, like... Would you think it's reasonable for small children and young families to well, be in an hotel room when you have a home you can actually quarantine? So I know, I mean, I you make a valid point with regards to the lack of humanity in it all. In fact, certainly the food and uh, I imagine, you know, the access to fresh air would be better in prison. I would have thought so too, you know what I mean? Never mind, the two, Never mind like, the two grand. I just guess they just can't trust people, you know. I mean, uh, well, uh, then every, our everyday life, we cannot trust anybody. So, I mean, there is a passenger locator form. And there are also, you know, I'm talking about people with a PPS, people that are paying taxes. They have home. Um, they have, you know, apartments where they can self, uh, self-isolate. So I think at least with the PPS, the government should be able to actually check up on the locator form and see, yeah, this person has a home where they can um, yes, you you know, self-isolate yeah. or make us, I don't know, download an app and you can um, make sure that people are in there. I mean, is it really, is it really um, needed? The hotel quarantine. That's my question. You know well, I, mean? I know, I know that the outbreaks, and I was only talking to somebody who was telling me of a story from up the country in counties, for mm-hmm. instance, where they have meat processing plants. The outbreaks in meat processing plants, it's very hard work. The pay is bad. 
and many of the workers come in from overseas and it was rampant apparently COVID you know and a lot of them were coming in from uh, from overseas and they weren't able to quarantine they weren't able to stay at home they had to get to work you know there's all this kind of thing going on so well, I, I totally understand, but the majority of people are quarantining without any uh, any problems. You know what I mean? So, are you suggesting that you know, depending on what kind of job and how much you no, earn, the country, no, redless countries, the really countries that we had. I understand what you're saying with regards to the conditions in there. I think I think we probably need the quarantine I, hotels, but they need to be they need to be better. You know. Uh, to be honest, I. I I don't know. I don't think we need hotel quarantine if uh, there is an active control and a system of controls uh, that allow the government, whoever, to check up on people and their located forms. I don't think we need hotel quarantines to actually stop the virus. Is it international travel the real problem here or is it the controls over people that are positive in in Ireland and uh, and on outside, you know what I mean? Is the problem linked to people that are traveling into the country or is it a general problem of Ireland at this stage? That's probably the question that we should ask ourselves it's and a be point. a little bit more objective and critical around what's happening at the moment. Okay, you know? that's um, a good point. So Let me get some of the people's opinion on this, if you don't mind, for what time I've left and I'll return yes. to it in the morning. Thank you for now. Appreciate it, Samantha. No worries. Thank Cheers. You. Take care. Your thoughts on that? Quarantine, hotels, yay or nay? Text 0868104106. Bit of cork to wrap up. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Got to check out a local artist's webpage. He is ianarmstrongart.com. He's done some fantastic cork art. It's like really, really well done comic art, if you like. I wonder if that's a fair way to describe it. Ian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks, would, uh, thanks very much for having me on. Would that be a good uh, way to describe? Would that be a good way to describe it? Uh, yeah, uh, that's pretty accurate, really. It's just a, a Cork slant. I mean, it's look, fantastic. any of us that come from Cork, you know, we're really proud of it. Uh, we tend to maybe go on about it a little bit more than what it deserves, but you know what? No, we don't. We have every reason to praise Cork better than any uh, other county in Ireland. I, I love it. There's one here of the Mayfield Punisher, which is Roy Keyes standing outside <laughs> the Cotton Ball. There's some fantastic colloquialisms like the Battenberg from Thompson's Bakery. Beautiful piece of art. My favourite Cork's own Donkey's Gudge gets yeah. a fantastic piece of art which people can buy either framed or unframed. Perks Fun Fair is there. Bruss, we all know what Bruss is. You got it Absolutely. in the old sweet shops, the big, as you call, the mixed sweet shrapnel from the days of old. But the m- big ticket item, of course, is, uh, has got to be the Cork Monopoly Board. Tell me about that. Yeah, do you know what? I did, did, like with this, you know, some of these ideas. Just the thing is, take days to, to actually come up with. That one pretty much came to me. The thing, so some strange reason, came to me on a Saturday afternoon, and within within a couple of hours, I actually had to kind of pull together. Um, the, the, the strange feedback on that one. Um, I, I grew up in Farnry. You came from Cushing Place on uh, in Farnry. Can you buy Cushing uh, Place on the board? You can't, but you can buy Farnry. In fact, um, which is something. Which which is something that really annoys a lot of people. Um, Farnery is actually the most expensive place in, on the Carcoffley Car Road. It's even uh, dearer than Cross Haven. 
What? It's even dearer than Crosshaven. It's, it's, yeah, the amount of people that in in um, in Kinsale that actually send me messages through uh, the uh, Instagram page saying why why is property in Farnry more expensive than Kinsale? Well, you know, I, I know I just know too many people in Farnry, you know. Um, so, uh, so that's Mayfield, what it, that's Mayfield is very dear as well. In fairness, so Black, is, so and Blackpool. Gran is actually quite expensive as well. Oh, so it's called Corkopoly. Corkopoly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the I'd look, it's just a play on things. I mean, look, I, I started off. I started off. Now, 30 years ago in art, art college never sold a thing never sold a thing I uh, went off and got a career as, as a video producer and uh, then at the, and lockdown just thing it just kind of dragged me back to this you know the thing is I've got a long suffering wife uh, Mary and the two girls uh, Taylor and Libby at home and the thing is they were constantly saying to me look why don't you do just go back to this you know even just for you know a bit of mindfulness you know and it just kind of caught on in January this year and I think I think your art would look fantastic framed on anybody's wall, particularly people who love their city or just want to be funky or different. And it's it's very well priced. I've seen seam stuff for twenty five and thirty euro. Yeah, well, do you know what it is? Do you know what what it is really? Is that I'm lucky enough to think that I'm based in the Framemaker in Crosshaven. Um, uh, I just rent an office off them, and um, the thing is, I saw kind of like that. You know, lots of artists were actually kind of getting the stuff framed. Um, so uh, it's look. The thing is, that's just the way the thing is that the market is kind of based. You know, in terms of price. Um, so I actually print them myself, and um, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, the can you play uh, well, can you play Can you actually? You know, it's big enough in front of me here to think that I could play a game. Yeah, the, the the first couple of people that bought it, right? One woman especially, thinks she bought the first one and she actually ended up, ended up t- taking two copies of it. She said, the thing is, look, the thing is, my kids are going to come back some night after uh, a night out and they're going to grab a, you know, a Monopoly board and actually try and play it. And I said, yeah, yeah. Because originally um, I was going to kind of like put uh, a set together, but the problem is there would be, uh, I think I would probably be sued pretty quick. Yeah, you have copyright issues there. Yeah, yeah. Massive copyright. Issues, yeah, but, um, I love the fact no, that you can buy Wilton for two hundred and ninety euro, or you can buy Gron for five hundred. Ah, yeah. Well, look, you know, n- n- to be fair, now Naka is pretty, and it, the, the funny thing about Naka, I did, I just didn't have enough room to put the full word Naka not really in, and I said, ah, look, just put it in as Naka. Everybody knows that it's Naka. Oh man, um, listen, I tell you something. I'm out of time, but I want to talk to you again. I'm going to park this part of the conversation, pick it up in the morning, if you don't mind. Would that be okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. But in the meantime, let me encourage people to go and look at all of your art because I know we're going to give a piece away tomorrow, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Nice you, there's a frame print of Carcopoly, um, and it, it looks, it, you know, it looks great. The frame looks great on the chat. Let's do that tomorrow. I'll chat with you in the morning. All right. Appreciate That's great. it. For Thanks, now. Neil. Take care, Ian. Go and check out his art. It's incredible. Ian Armstrong Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.